This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dublin Dane. My name is Tim, and joining me as always is Dublin Dane himself. Dane, how's it going? I know it's one of those time periods where we missed our normally scheduled episode, so been a little longer since our last one, but definitely glad to be back. As it's a lot of cool stuff to talk about <laughs> that for the last few weeks since we recorded our last episode. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh... You know, sometimes I forget her name. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, all right. It's it's a uh, Dublin name again. Um, but yeah, uh, it's been a while. Uh, a lot to talk about. We got Miss Marvel to talk about. We got Stranger Things to talk about. The tenth anniversary of uh, um, the Dark Knight Rises. So uh, yeah, lots to talk about. Definitely. And that's what happens sometimes when you skip an episode on your normally scheduled time. But it's all good for me because there's more awesome stuff to talk about on one episode. So <laughs> before we get into that, though, we got to start our episodes, as we always do, by continuing our minute by minute commentary of the Fellowship of the Ring. And it's going to be another milestone minute, Dane, because we're going to officially hit the half hour mark in our minute by minute commentary. So <laughs> said it. That, well, <laughs> compared to how we got about three hours and 18 minutes left afterwards, I think <laughs> it doesn't seem like a lot, but 30 minutes is a milestone in these minute by minute commentaries. So I'm going to take it. <laughs> OK, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. 30 minutes. Yes. So as always, if you want to grab your VHS copy, your Betamax copy, your Laserdisc copy, your DVHS copy, your HD DVD copy, your regular DVD copy, your Blockbuster membership card, your Netflix physical media di- media disc in those beautiful red envelopes. <laughs> and then, as always, our oh, I almost forgot, your UMD copy. <laughs> we got to yes. keep UMD in the rotation of our <laughs> uh, media formats that we're watching this on. But as always, the best one is, of course, your VHS to converted DVD copy that you made on your 2010 PC computer that I'm still currently <laughs> using right now. <laughs> oh man, um, you know, uh, speaking of uh, Lord of the Rings and 
uh, Peter Jackson. I I watched. Uh, now I'm gonna get the title wrong, but uh, I'm gonna give it a shot. Uh, is it called like they won't be forgotten or something? The the World War One uh, restoration mm. that he did. You know what? That's uh, I'm not going to know the name of the title. I know the project, but I didn't yeah. follow it closely enough to know what the name of it is. But yeah, so, so like, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. So like the the only reason why I watched it was because I wanted to see the uh, the difference between like that that 1910s footage of World War One restored and the the Beatles Get Back uh, restoration, uh-huh. right? And like. Uh, it's it's like a recolor. Like he he added color to the black and white footage, obviously. Uh-huh. And uh, some of the faces in that World War One documentary looks spooky, like downright spooky, like really? they're ghosts. <laughs> yeah, it looks really scary. But um, it, it 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 looks good. It doesn't look good as good as the the Beatles Get Back. I mean, obviously, because there's like a like a 50 year of course yeah. time difference you know with the with the quality of uh uh media back then but um yeah it it looks good it's just the faces are spooky like you tell that they they really put a lot of uh, like i don't know what you call it like additions or upgrades to the face the faces of of um, the soldiers and stuff, but as far as like the explosions and stuff, th- those look like they could be filmed today, like on your regular <laughs> in your regular movie coming out today. It looks like uh, it could be like that. Um, yeah, I, ju- I just wanted to mention that. Just the faces yes. look really spooky. Uh. <laughs> that's interesting i wonder why you'd feel the need like if it was a, if it was a need to do that to make the footage look watchable or if it's something he just decided he wanted to do to make it look more modern or to have just to have it be more clarity i guess because of how uh, old the footage is but if it stands out like just, that i wonder if it yeah. was actually needed for him to do that as you're describing i think he just wanted to do it just so you have a connection with the people mm-hmm. uh, the soldiers you know like like you can see their face and maybe it was Maybe the like, footage was damaged or something, and he did like the best that he could, you know, because <laughs> uh, you know you, you you're talking about like at the time like almost a hundred year old film, yeah, you know, so yeah. Uh, Interesting. Just um, to that. Yeah. Is it something that's streaming anywhere, or is it something you just rented or bought? Yeah, uh, it's it's on HBO Max. Okay. Yeah. I'll so like if if you yeah if you want to see the difference. Um, Definitely the, the Beatles get back <laughs> looks way better. <laughs> um, but even then, there were some scenes in uh, Get Back where I was like, oh, okay, that one's really, really restored. Yeah, yeah. it was like, it's all like a third <laughs> recording the same year. Like in the so it's, like a, it's like a CGI sort of like creation, but uh, <laughs> no, it, it was restored. But. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how many times my dad has watched to get that documentary because it was like oh really he's the biggest Beatle fan i know and he's like that was all that footage was stuff he's been dying to see dying that he's known see. about existed yeah. but dying to see it for so many years and i just remember when it first came out we all watched it together but then i know 
he probably watched it over on his phone over and over and over again. Oh, so I take it he liked it. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be an understatement. <laughs> is there a home release for that yet? Or yeah, they're uh... yeah they're going to release it on Blu-ray, but it's like I think it's streaming in 4K though, and, and I believe Dolby Vision. So it's kind of a little disappointed and bummed they're not releasing it as a 4K disc. So I'm yeah. not sure if it's going to be worth getting just for a Blu-ray version of it. I don't know. Is Blu-ray on its way out? It's getting close. That's, I don't think 4K yeah. is taking over as the dominant media format right now because mm-hmm. there's still some releases that don't get 4K release right away. So yeah, Blu-ray is still going to be here for a few more years. You remember, um, uh, like, I want to say, like, almost 10 years ago, uh, the, the fad and we can call our fad now because it's it's not the case in in uh on July sixteenth, twenty twenty two. Uh but do you remember how like the big new thing was supposed to be three D TVs? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I I totally forgot about that. Um until I saw like a like a a, a thing about how it failed, a, a video on how it failed. And yeah, I I, I couldn't I, I can't believe that uh, they <laughs> the, these TV manufacturers should have pushed that on us. Yep, I remember I got a new TV in 2011, and it had 3D capabilities. It came with 3D glasses. Yeah. I only used it once just to see how it was. And guess what movie I tested it out on to see the, how the 3D was? Was it Star Wars thing? No, because those were just the only Phantom Menace was released in 3D in theaters. It never got a home, yeah. home 3D release. At least not to my knowledge. I don't think it did. But is the it, movie... It, I, is that because it bombed? That it didn't do great. It bombed, right? It yeah, didn't do great, but that. then the year it came out, a few months later, that's when Disney sold, or Disney bought Lucasfilm. So they yeah. didn't feel it was the need to re-release all those in 3D again. Uh, I see. I see. But the movie but, I uh, tested it on was... The greatest comic book movie movie ever, of course, Green Lantern. <laughs> oh, oh you! I I bet your brother had a had a had his had a really great time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just wanted to see how it worked and how if it was even worth it, like yeah. on the TV. It was like it looked awful, so I never <laughs> put on that future again. Put on those glasses again. I just never used it. And like I said, thankfully, no. T- most TVs anyway do not even bother with 3D capabilities. Did you have to? Did you have to buy a special copy of Green Lantern, let's say, and like have a special player for it? Not a special player, but it? it was a different copy. Yeah, I, I know the one I oh. got. It just it came with the regular and a 3D version of it. So. Oh okay. I didn't well, get it for good. the 3D. It just happened to be in the <laughs> Blu-ray I thought I got or that I had of it already. <laughs> uh, maybe it was the movie you picked him. Like... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'll, like I still movies, defend that I... movie. I'm one of the few. <laughs> all movies during that time had to be a 3D movie. Yeah, that was the thing. It right. just felt like such a gimmick and just like a tack-on thing, just to try to get a few extra yeah. dollars because the 3D version was a little more expensive. Uh, I don't get it. Yeah, I'm definitely glad we moved away from that. <laughs> Isn't uh, Batman versus Superman in 3D? Was it? It was, right? 
I think so. I think you're right. I know yeah. Man of Steel was. Man of Steel was. I'm pretty sure it was. I remember seeing 3D versions of the uh, Blu-ray out on shelves when that came out. Hmm. I wonder what they made 3D. I'm sure mainly the action scenes are the standout ones. I don't think I've yes. really seen like really good 3D. I mean, Phantom Menace when I saw it was good, but nothing really stood out to me. It was like, oh, this is, makes it so much better or such a more immersive experience. Honestly, the best 3D... And there's two 3D experiences I had that were good. One of them is a ride. It's the new Star Tours update. Well, it's not new anymore. It's been around for 11 years. But yeah. there's a sequence where you're on Naboo and you're in, underwater. Like The sea creatures look great, but then there's a moment when you come out and you crash into the hangar. And a piece of a new, the back of like the Naboo Starfighter crashes into your uh, cockpit of your cruiser and it sticks out. Like I actually ducked when it came in. <laughs> it really had a cool effect or really felt like it was coming at you. So that was like the best 3D thing where it actually made me move and think that something was going to hit me. But then yeah. for an actual movie, when Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, they had like a special IMAX preview. And that that was in 3D, and that looked really good. Like, the characters really popped out of the screen. That looked really neat. But I didn't see the whole movie in 3D, but the small preview that they had for that looked really good. So those are the only two, I think, really good 3D experiences where I thought the 3D effect was really cool. Um, for the Phantom Menace, what, what was the uh, sort of, like, big, memorable scene that had 3D in it That's the thing. that you Nothing's... remember? Nothing's really standing yeah. out to me, to be honest. If anything, a lot of it was like wide shots of the environment of like Naboo or Tatooine that just kind of yeah. stood out. But even stuff like the pod race or the like final lightsaber duel, nothing really stood out to me as being like, memorable. Yeah. I can't really recall anything right now from it. Hmm. Oh, well, I'm glad it's in the dustbin of history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't have to worry about 3D, a 3D copy of our Lord of the Rings commentary to <laughs> talk about it right now. Do they have one? No, right. No, the yeah. Hobbit they did. I remember I bought a wrong copy of the first Hobbit movie and I had to take it back because it was a 3D version. <laughs> oh, Tim. I mean, you should have just kept it just for nostalgia's sake. If it was a Star Wars copy, I probably would have. But <laughs> just added to my multiple copies of that. But we can go ahead and start the countdown for our non-3D version of The Fellowship of the Ring. So we're on minute 29 to go to minute 30, and I'll give the countdown if you're ready, Dane. I am, Tim. Okay, three, two, one, play. Well, that shot right there of the ring being held by Bilbo in his hand, maybe that would look really good in 3D and how it drops right here. <laughs> I'm not sure. Drops towards your face? <laughs> is, that, is that what they would do? And the last meeting we're going to see of Bilbo and Gandalf for a while. So we don't get a moment with them in Rivendell. Just thinking about that right now. Would have been kind of cool to see. At the same time, this is a nice is, goodbye between the two characters. Rivendell isn't the one that's... The, that's the one they go to second, right? With Cape uh, Blanchett. No, that's right. a Lothlorien. Rivendell's were Elrond, Hugo Weaving's. Oh, I see. I see. This might be a good spot. Yep. 
30 minutes as Gandalf opens the door to look at the ring. Wow. A good spot to end this one on, I think, as the door shuts. It just opens as uh, we hit the 30-minute mark as we see Gandalf. But what will Gandalf do with the ring on the floor? Will he pick it up? Will he leave it? Stay tuned. Hello. I think he puts it on, Tim. No. Oh. <laughs> I think he puts it on. You know, that... um, the the more I see of this new Amazon Lord of the Rings show, the more excited I get for it. Yeah. Uh, I know you guys don't like it. Uh, you Lord of the Rings fans don't like it, but of course, I don't lump like all it. Lord of the Rings fans in there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you got a point. You got a point. But yeah, the 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 more I see it, see of it, the more excited I get for it. I think it's what September. Yep, early, early September second. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The new trailer that came out just a couple of days ago looked great. I mean, it was a lot more than what we got in that first teaser, and this man, it just looks absolutely stunning. The visuals for it. Uh, yeah. They're sparing no expense on the budget as far as making it look good, at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you really can't make it look cheap, right? No, yeah, there's it's expectations. Lord of the Rings, yes. you know? <laughs> yeah. Lord of the Rings, you gotta shell out some cash for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of TV shows, as we said since our last episode, some big TV shows and finales that happened since we last recorded. Um, Stranger Things. Has oh my God, Tim! Obi Wan. I was going to mention that day. I think you forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Stranger Things, Miss Marvel, and of course the Obi Wan finale. Which, if you didn't listen to the five-hour episode of the saga, continues talking about <laughs> the last three episodes of that series. But you could hear more of it from me right here. So, what do you think we should begin, Dane? What series do you want to start with? Um, let us start with Obi Wan. Okay. Yeah. Go for it, Dane. I want to hear your thoughts first. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I hated it, Tim. It was awful. <laughs> that's my review. That's I why you forgot it. to it's mention awful. it at the beginning, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It was. Uh, it was great. Um, especially, like uh, we're gonna talk about it later, but uh, the Stranger Things ending. I thought it was a little too long, but uh, this Obi-Wan uh, ending was just just the right amount. Um, we get the big fight scene, Tim, that you've been waiting for. I know you probably cried during it. <laughs> I know you probably shed a few tears of, of joy and happiness for um, the fight scene between Vader and... Uh, Obi-Wan. Didn't you, Tim? You're not wrong. <laughs> I got a little <laughs> misty out, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- that is... Yeah. I think about... Yeah, that that is probably top three uh, lightsaber fights in Star Wars that we've gotten so far uh, for me. Uh, I, I really like seeing Vader in a lightsaber fight. Um, and it's something totally different. He looks a little more agile mm. in this one, uh, considering it's like what, like t- ten years earlier yep. than uh, first time we see him. So, uh, yeah, I really like that. Um, and of course, <laughs> everybody saw it coming, Tim. Even though the actor said he did it, he doesn't do TV. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
of course, we get to see uh, Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon again, finally appearing as a Force ghost. Uh, um, and that was really the cherry on top of all of this, uh, all of this Obi-Wan show, you know. Uh, we get to see Leia as a kid. We get to see Luke as a kid. We get to see Vader and uh, Obi-Wan fight. We get to see uh, Hayden Christensen again in a Star Wars scene. Um, but I think for me, like the, the cherry on top was was uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Yep. Everything you said right there was absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, Qui-Gon Jinn scene, we knew it was coming, like you said, but honestly, I wasn't expecting a full-blown Force ghost. I thought we were just going to hear his voice, and he's going to commune through Obi-Wan through meditation. But the fact we actually saw him as a Force ghost was awesome, but at the same time, it's going to raise, not like a horrible question, like, oh, that, that can't be. It just makes you wonder how he finished his training, because as he said in Clone Wars, when in the Yoda arc, where he tells Yoda the reason he can't manifest, manifest himself as a spirit, for him is because he was killed before he was able to complete the training and he was only able to communicate this through the voice so um that's all i was expecting but now that he's actually a force ghost i just can't wait to get more of that and even if they don't explain it i'm sure it's not gonna be too hard to fill in the gaps in your own head if you want to uh, try to make it work because this isn't the first time we've seen him as a force ghost we did see him on mortis in the clone wars arc so that and that's always even up to interpretation as far as what exactly that is. We know it's a planet that's pretty much the force and there's so much force energy. He was able to show himself as a force ghost there. So um, it's not a huge deal, but I just wasn't expecting it as, as far as not a huge deal as far as not being answered right away. It was just really cool to see, though. But yeah, I mean, the crux of this episode is why it's amazing. And it's a Star Wars all timer, in my opinion, was that duel between Obi-Wan and Vader. It, talk about not only living up to expectations, but surpassing it was just incredible, not just because of the choreography of the fight in the duel, because that was awesome. Like you said, seeing Vader kind of be more agile than we'd ever seen him before in a lightsaber fight with Obi-Wan. It was just awesome. And the moves they were putting on display, the use of the force, Vader cracking the ground Obi-Wan was standing on, Obi-Wan lifting all the rocks and throwing it on that Vader. It was just like, I was losing my mind. But what makes the duel one of the best is not the actual fight but the actual uh moment where we see anakin's face in the cracked vader helmet and just the dialogue between them two and of course we've seen that before vader with a cracked helmet and seeing the face of anakin in rebels with the ahsoka duel he had but seeing it in a live action it just man took it to another level and there's going to be so many people who were watching the obi-wan series who probably didn't watch rebels or seen that visual for the first time of vader with a cracked helmet it's, it's, it, i just imagine they're just gonna lost their mind seeing it i lost my mind seeing it even though it's something we've seen before but man the performances between ewan and hayden there it was just fantastic that's why i got a little misty-eyed and lump in my throat just because the emotion that was on display by ewan mcgregor where he just the tears coming down obi-wan's face as he sees his friend looking like that and just apologizes how he says he's sorry for all of it and then anakin kind of tells him you know, it, he's not his failure, but he's the one who killed Anakin, not Obi-Wan. And just that smile Hayden gives and just that the way his voice was going in and out as far as the Vader modulation that he has through the mass. It, 
it was just really well done. It's just so cool. Just the visual of it's the lighting of the lightsaber on his face. You see the hint of the blue, but then once he kind of acknowledges that he's the one who killed Anakin and it goes full on red, just <laughs> indicating, you know, it's Anakin's full on Anakin is dead. That's just Darth Vader there. And then the way Obi-Wan mimics or mirrors the line Luke says to Vader in Return of the Jedi, where he says, my father is truly dead. But Obi-Wan says, then my friend is truly dead. Just that great way Star Wars rhymes with itself <laughs> in different stories. It was just superb. It's so well executed. It was just everything I was hoping it would be in more. Just I, Of course, there was question as far as how it tie in and fit with their duel in A New Hope. And I'm on the mindset now that this is kind of this duel needed to happen in order to add not more weight to, but you understand how in a new hope it's, they're not really surprised to see each other. Or there's no emotion with seeing each other again in a new hope. It's just kind of, yeah, Vader knows that's Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan knows that's Vader. Obi-Wan has to buy time for Luke on and Leia to escape. They're just going to go straight to the duel. And it makes more sense that there is no emotion to seeing each other for the first time there because they had that encounter already in this story 10 years earlier that kind of got, all the emotion, the reaction that you expect for them to have seen each other again for the first time was all here in the series. And that's why I think it is something that was so glad that we got. And it's almost a required Star Wars viewing, in my opinion, now, <laughs> because it just adds so much more weight to these characters and to their story and for what we see on an, in A New Hope. Because I um, watched The New Hope right after the finale, one of my multiple rewatches of the finale. And it just flows so beautifully together. It just makes The New Hope even that much better so yeah needless to say i was beyond pleased and happy with the finale for obi-wan there was everything i was hoping it would be i was just through the moon for what we got to see in that episode it was incredible yeah and it's not only the lightsaber fight in a new hope it's also like the fact that at the end of the show the the the, the final episode i mean like like you go to the first episode and like Obi-Wan is feeling guilty and he's in conflict with himself um, over Anakin turning into Vader, right? But then at the, towards the end, you know, the, the, the final episode, he seems to be at peace with himself yep. and at peace with what happened. And then he can go on and live his life um, and become the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, for lack of a better term, right? Oh, yeah. That we see in a new hope where he's just like this old man living in a cave in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, I, I, I really, really like this show Tim. I, I, I think, I, I think they, uh, Disney, uh, Lucasfilm and, uh, Deborah Chow really, really nailed this show. I agree. Yep. <laughs> I I was more than happy with it. So Oh, and uh another question I had for you, Tim. Um so you remember episode I think it was like episode two or three when uh Vader turns into Jason. You know, Jason oh, Voorhees. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say Jason, yeah. like, oh <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. But he turns into Jason Voorhees, right? And he like uh, he's just walking around, and all of a sudden he appears ahead of Obi where Obi Wan is going. Uh -huh. um, is he holding his breath <laughs> like when he when he's like sneaking <laughs> around and like has to like pop out of like I don't know like it, it, pop out in front of Obi Wan? He's like he he's holding his breath right, 
and he's like, ah, oh, okay, finally you showed up. I can breathe. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, only thing Dane would notice while watching that. <laughs> yeah, he's holding his breath, right? I guess I mean, he would have to since he, it was quiet until we showed. Yeah, like he can't turn off the Vader, the the, the trademark iconic Vader breathing, right? Yeah, he can't turn it off. No. So like he would have to like if he's breathing, he would have to make that noise, right? So I, like never he must have been was. holding his breath. Okay, I guess so. <laughs> or using the force to mask his breathing, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Mask the sound. Oh, only yeah. you, Dane. Yeah. <laughs> only you. Yeah, I was just wondering, Jim. I mean, you're the Star Wars fan and expert uh, extraordinaire, so I figured I'd ask you. But <laughs> seems like you don't have the answer either. Uh, I guess not. Yeah, not when it comes to that type of film. <laughs> so, also, too, I mean, Obi-Wan was just one of the many great things of Star Wars we've gotten this year, but I don't know if you started reading it, Dane, but the new book, Shadow of the Sith, that has um, been phenomenal so far. Is that the one with uh, Luke and... Uh, Luke and Lando. Who, who's the other? Lando. Yeah. Right. The tease Lando gave in The Rise of Skywalker of him and Luke on a journey to search for uh, the planet Exegol and Ochi of Bestoon. That's getting played out, or that, that whole story is being told in this book, and it's really good as far as the lore is creating this i mean it's giving a little more clarity on some of the events of rise of skywalker and the planet exegol but even ray and her parents too they're a big focal point in the story but there's just some great force stuff with luke in his meditation that i don't want to give away here but one of the chapters is one of my favorite chapters in a star wars novel ever it was amazing <laughs> so really? i'm about 200 pages into it it's like it's a big book for a star wars novel it's like four, yeah. over 450 pages so um i would highly uh, recommend it I though see. it's really good yeah okay so i bought the audiobook of it i just haven't gotten around to it okay great yeah I, i'm just looking through my audiobooks right now um uh, is the bad guy named uh ochi yes mm -hmm. is he the guy that was in that underground cave thing with the snake yeah, he was those the skeletons they find. Yeah. Yeah, the skeleton. Yeah, he's oh, the one who so kills Ray's it. parents. The one where they show him get stabbed, he's the one who does it. Right, right. Oh, okay. Oh, so Ray's in it then. Yeah, her both and her parents uh, too. Yeah, they're we're getting big information on her on those characters. Uh, I don't it, know about that. Um, sounds a little forced to me. That it, Ray into it. <laughs> it's definitely not. Trust me. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yeah, I don't want to give it no, any away, but it's definitely been great so far. You know, that's my main thing where it's like how Luke, I mean, not Luke, uh, Leia knows Obi-Wan uh, uh, in this in, in the Obi-Wan show. But then it seems like she doesn't know him in A New Hope. Uh, no, see, I've seen some of that criticism, yeah. but I totally disagree because uh, not only in the message that she's giving Obi-Wan because uh, Obi-Wan has a little bit of, there's a lot of dialogue when he's saying goodbye to Leia in the finale yeah. where it says like, if they'll see each other again, if he says, we must be careful of like how, like how we go about, like if we were to see each other again, because others will find out. So I think that adds to that point where Leia is a little more formal in that diplomatic message, right there, that message for help for Obi-Wan. But the mm -hmm. thing that 
makes it where you do think or you do know that Leia remembers him is where Luke rescues Leia in the holding cell and he says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi. And the excitement that Leia has in her voice when she says, Ben Kenobi, kind of like, yeah, you know why she has that reaction because she remembers her time with Ben Kenobi 10 years ago. So I think it totally lines up and uh, makes perfect sense. Uh, okay, Tim. I'll, I'll give you that one. <laughs> that's that's some good sense. That's some good... Uh, that makes sense, yeah. I'll give you that one, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if Obi-Wan finale. If you haven't watched, if you haven't watched the series yet, definitely check it out. I know you've got the normal that corner of the Star Wars. I don't want to say fans, but I don't think they are fans as you and McGregor views them <laughs> as non-fans too. Oh yeah. Or just bashing it no matter what, just looking for anything to trash it. But if that's what you're seeing and hearing, don't listen to that. Just watch it for yourselves. I don't think you'll be disappointed if you're a fan of Obi-Wan and just, just even the casual fans who like the performance of you and McGregor in the prequel, but not a diehard Star Wars fan, I think will love this series too. Cause you McGregor's fantastic in it. I don't think those people have a problem with Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> I think they have a problem with the third sister. Yeah, well, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, these people can't get over, you know, having someone with with black skin on on their television. I guess. <laughs> yeah, be in playing roles that. They're not used to seeing them play before. It's just so, it's just so oh, yeah. outlandish. You just, how can it be? <laughs> so, uh, and, so and, and that's the thing too. I mean, that's the thing too. Like in a show where like have you and McGregor coming back as Obi Wan, you know, arguably one of his iconic, maybe his iconic role, right? Oh, definitely his yeah. career. And you have Moses Ingram come in as a brand new character that we've never seen before. And she's one of the best parts of the series, too. Um, that's the great irony that people can't really see that. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the complaints of saying is, oh, she has nothing to the story. She's pointless. It's like, um, she's pretty much the catalyst of setting this whole thing in motion for Obi-Wan Invader to have this right. encounter. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. And... Not only that, I mean, she she was a youngling when Order 66 was happening. Exactly. I mean, uh, she she's tied into the story that way, too. You no, know, e- even if she was third sister mm-hmm. and you still had her on the show as a different character. She was a youngling when Order 66 was happening. So, like, of course, that's going to affect her and and the way she thinks. So, I don't know. She To, to me, she's an essential part of the story as well. And like I was saying, like you have Ewan McGregor coming back, you have Hayden Christensen coming back, you have Little Leia, you have uh, Little Luke, <laughs> and yet she stands out amongst them. And like we said, she's an integral part of the story. So I don't see what people's problem with it. Yep. The problem isn't with Star Wars. It's it's a different kind of whole big problem. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yes. I will say I do like how like her story arc wrapped up, but the one maybe nitpick I have on the finale is like this is kind of where I think I wish this episode or the series could have been one episode longer because it's when you're seeing the Obi Wan Vader fight and then it cuts back to Reva trying to get Luke with Uncle Owen and Emperor. It's like I like that stuff, but it's almost to a point. It's mainly with the editing where it's like 
you kind of you don't want to move away from the Vader and Obi Wan fight. It's almost like I wish it was just kind of focus, yeah. that whole episode would just focus on that, and maybe one more episode could have resolved everything with Reva and Obi or Uncle Owen and Peru and Luke on Tatooine because it's like when you when it cuts to the Vader and Obi Wan fight scenes and stuff on Tatooine, it's like no, <laughs> like, let's get back to the Vader and Obi Wan stuff because that's that's my only problem with that how the finale was kind of played out and edited. I kind of wish. Her story arc maybe could have been wrapped up the same way, but just maybe one episode earlier. So the finale could have just been all the Obi-Wan Invader stuff. Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of not her fault. I mean, you, oh, of course you have not. two yeah. iconic like, characters. <laughs> yeah, you, you have two iconic characters fighting. There's just no way um, any, any other subplot or side story can compete with that. No, no matter way. really what it was. I mean, unless it was I mean, Qui-Gon. Qui- Qui-Gon's force ghost, him fighting Darth Maul. Would that have <laughs> satisfied you, Tim? That, that no, not even cool, that. Right? No. Like, like, like how Luke in The Last Jedi was quote-unquote fighting Kylo Ren. Uh, right? If he had something like that with, with Qui-Gon. Right? Would that work, Tim? No, even work? then, that can't compete with Obi-Wan and Vader. Like, let that yeah. be its own thing. <laughs> I mean, because you think about it, you're seeing Uncle Owen and Emperor and a young Luke trying to survive an encounter with someone trying to kill him. That's engaging and interesting because we're seeing a part of Luke's life we haven't seen before, and it's awesome. But again, it just can't compete with an Obi-Wan Vader encounter. So no matter what it would have yeah. been. At the same time, there hasn't been, because I've seen some nitpicks about that too, and was like, it's just like, there should just the lights, only focus on the lightsaber fight, like I was saying. But at the same time, there has been no lightsaber duel in any of the movies where it was just straight on that. It always cuts to another sequence that's going on over the course of the movie. There hasn't just been well, one straight the, full on lightsaber fight. That's the Star Wars formula, though. Exactly, yeah. So it's um, not like they're doing anything different yeah. for this. It's just, again, it's just because it's Obi-Wan and Vader, that's why. But it just puts yeah. it on a whole other level that you just can't take your eyes off it. You don't want to be pulled towards anything else when you're watching that happen. Yeah, that's the that's the Star Wars formula. That's just what the Star Wars movies do. They they have a big lightsaber battle, but they intercut it with the uh, other stories that are going on. Exactly. Um, but 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 what you said sort of makes sense. Like if they wrapped up the third sister um, story in the fifth episode and have just have the sixth episode, or at least ninety percent of the sixth episode, the last episode. Uh, a lightsaber fight because I don't think now correct me if I'm wrong Tim but I don't think they've ever had just a big battle sequence as one episode right um it you know in the Star Wars TV shows where they're Boba Fett kind of or, was, I think oh right the final episode of Book of Boba Fett yeah. right that was pretty much yeah, all was, action sequence yeah 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 and the Mandalorian too right the the fight on uh, I forget the planet's name uh, oh, with Navarra. the stormtroopers, yeah, Navarro, yeah, 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 yeah. But they haven't really had like a, a whole episode dedicated to lightsaber battle, right? No, definitely not that. Yeah. Well, this is really the first series with lightsaber, a lightsaber. Lightsaber, yeah. yeah. I mean, we of course we have moments with the dark saber and the Mandalorian in Book of Boba Fett, but not lightsaber against a lightsaber <laughs> like we got in Obi Wan. So this is really the first time we've gotten that in this in the series. You know, I want to see 
I want to see the Mandalorian fight Luke with the dark saber. <laughs> I kind of want well, to see that. I don't know. See how, how we did in the it. Book of Boba Fett episode. He doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, my 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 one little nitpick of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi this television show is during uh or at least the, the the animated series versions of this is when like um uh the Grand Inquisitor um spins his lightsaber around really fast uh-huh. right or like uh when uh especially the the red lightsabers like um. Uh, when uh, Palpatine showed up and fought Darth Maul in the uh, Clone Wars, yeah, um, they whenever the the lights the red lightsaber it seems is like being swung around really fast and wildly, they dim the screen. Yeah, I noticed that. But in o- yeah, but in Obi Wan, uh, when the Grand Inquisitor does it, when he spins his uh, lightsaber around, they didn't do that. And oh, yeah. that's my one little nitpick because I'm really, I'm really, really light sensitive. That was like a oh. blast into the face with, with, you know. Oh man, that's a, a really bright <laughs> light. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that being an issue if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, my one little, 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 yeah. little nitpick. There wasn't too much of that though in the series. Just when the Grand Inquisitor did it, I think when Reva did it to trying to defend herself against Vader. But yeah, I think it was only twice they did yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I think it was only twice that they did, they did it. So, yeah, for someone that's really, really light sensitive, that embarrassing Tim. I'm about to embarrass myself. Uh, <laughs> that's not I, be embarrassing, though. I uh, I sometimes have to, uh, most times, yeah, most times, I uh, I have to bring sunglasses with me into the movie theater. Dang. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was light sensitive if you do that. Yeah, so my one. So it's kind of like you have have them on the top of your head, and just in case a moment like that happens, you just put them down real quick. Uh, In my pocket. Yeah, I I just have it in my pocket. (laughs) So, so I, so I look like a total weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the guy think he is wearing sunglasses in a theater? Sometimes when I drive at night, I have to wear sunglasses. <laughs> Dang, <bro. laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, my one little nitpick. <laughs> well, well, that's our nitpicks for Obi Wan. You know, it's pretty, pretty amazing series. Well, that's all we gotta <laughs> complain about. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Obi Wan is amazing, and I guess with that, let's move on to. I guess we'll just go in order, I think, of how the series finales out. I think Obi-Wan was first. And then uh, we have the Stranger Things finale. I, well, I should say finales <laughs> with two episodes for volume two for season four. And I know you hinted at it, Dane, as far as it being a little long. But, yeah, I definitely know why. Because <laughs> the first episode, or I should say the eighth episode, was like an hour and 40 minutes, something like that. But the finale was like two hours and 20 minutes, almost two and a half hours. So it was definitely a good four hours that you were, if you were binge it in one night, like I did, I just watched both of them back to back because uh, I couldn't turn it off after the episode and had to move on to the next one. But it was, I guess, I guess it's a talk about that. I don't know if you want to call it an issue, but um, it was definitely long. Yes, but it didn't feel long as I was watching it. I thought it they had a good flow to it, but at the same time, 
I could see maybe where it might have worked better if the finale was split in between two episodes. Um, just to have have it be two more episodes that like were an hour and ten minutes each. Because um, a two hour and twenty minute finale is a pretty long experience. It's pretty much a movie. But at the same time, I didn't feel like it dragged at all while I was watching it. But um, but there were moments where I felt, yeah, it could have been where like episode could end there and then it picks up um, as the finale episode at another point in the two hour, 20 minute finale. But um, regardless of that, watching for the first time, I, I thought it was great. It was a great finale to, I think, a great season. This is probably my second favorite season of the series. I When I was done watching the finale, I was like, man, I, I want to watch the first episode again, see where it all started. Just to go back after what we learned in the season. And then I ended up doing a whole full series rewatched. <laughs> I actually just finished watching the season three finale two nights ago. And then I'll, I'll probably just move right into season four again just to watch it as a full. But I, I thought it was great. The way it was set up was revealing that Vecna was number one in his ties to Eleven and everything that went down in the volume one finale, I think episode seven. And then just seeing the recounter and everything that went down as far as Eleven with uh, uh, Brenner, the doctor, her papa, and everything that went down in that episode. And just it looks like he's dead for good now. <laughs> but just and then just everything that happened in that final encounter with her and Vecna was really, really cool. And just what it sets up for the end of this season, but what it sets up for season five, too, and, or the final season. Um, it just left me really excited and just can't wait to see <laughs> how everything gets wrapped up and what goes down. As Hawkins is pretty much a ground zero now for the upside down to seep its way through uh, the normal world. And just how I'm just really curious how it's going to affect the season, the next season, where we know there's going to be a time jump. But they said it's going to be a few years later. So just kind of how life is. Is it like they're adjusting to the, up, the upside down world seeping through? Is that something they've been dealing with with those that time gap? Or is it like they're still going to be kind of living a normal life, but still dealing with like the full effects of the upside down seeking through hasn't happened yet. It's like, is it like a slowly grad gradual thing? And just, and just how Vecna, cause we know he's still alive. They killed the body, but as we saw, Will still sensed him that he's still out there. Just like, what is his presence going to be? Is he even going to be a physical form anymore? So just a lot of questions that um, not necessarily have to like, well, I can't believe they didn't answer that in this season finale, but just stuff that makes you excited for the upcoming season and what potentially can go down. But yeah, I just thought the season as a whole was pretty great. And just how the story and the revelations we learned with Eleven's past and with number one and him kind of being the big villain of the entire series now and him being the puppet master for everything that we see in the first season, the first few seasons, as I rewatched them, I just, that all lines up really really nicely as far as him being the master of mind behind it all so yeah i loved it i thought it was great uh let me just get my negatives out of the way first because there's not that much right i thought they should have killed off max and i say this as you know what max is I'm sorry, my go favorite ahead, yeah. character I'll yeah. let you so finish, uh, yeah. <laughs> max is probably my favorite character in stranger things um yeah she 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 and like it, it seems like Season three and season four were her seasons, at least to me anyway, because I like the character. But yeah. um, I really thought they should have killed her off in in, uh, in this season. Um, 
just because like we 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 got the hopper thing where he was supposed to die in season three or he supposedly died in season three but he, but then he was alive and then translated into one of my main negative um criticisms of this 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 season which was i think they should have just killed him off and the the russian gulag story just didn't connect with me with with joyce and that other guy i can't i can't ever remember his name murray um uh, murray <laughs> murray the uh the guy from game of thrones and um uh, the helicopter pilot guy um i just thought that was totally unnecessary besides the fact that it was a really cool fight scene between um that thing and that monster and um hopper yeah um, that was definitely the highlight of that whole sequence i agree especially in the second half of season four it really didn't yeah. add much to everything else that was going on i agree with that yeah i, I was just thinking like if you're gonna bring hopper back you should have him with the, everyone else, right? You, you should have Joyce with everybody else and not have done that split thing where, I mean, I understand why they did it because, you know, like uh, the kid's story has to be, has to stand on their own and can't really involve the adults, which is why um, uh, uh, Mike's parents are in it. Um, uh, Dustin's mom isn't in it because the kids really have to stand on their own and tell their their story, right? Uh, but yeah, that that's that is probably my biggest negative of this season was the, the the Gulag story, and it's like we should just have them with the other characters or maybe near the other characters but doing their own story instead of mm-hmm. okay, so so Joyce has to somehow go to get to Russia. Right uh, and rescue Hopper. Uh, that that is a little that, that that's a little too much for me. Um, my my other criticism is that if I see uh, <laughs> if I see anything about the the, the Metallica guitar solo on Twitter, <laughs> I am gonna lose it because I <laughs> I'm so sick of it it's okay so like he learned how to play a solo a guitar so okay that's that's good enough that's good <laughs> enough to know <laughs> i know it was a big thing in the story but okay let's let's move on um <laughs> i'm so sick of seeing it but um, i could understand because right? it, it has been yeah. talked about to death since the finale I mentioned a lot too but don't get me wrong though it's a really cool sequence just like the yeah Way, I mean, just a cool idea just to have them to draw out those demi-bats <laughs> towards them using a Metallica song and <laughs> playing your guitar on the top of your like mobile home. It, it's yeah, cool. Yeah. And the it's cool. The sound, yeah, the music, cool. the song went really well with the visuals too. Like just the sure. darkness of the upside down and then uh in the it's not really a dream sequence, but when Vecna's attacking Max as he's trying to escape in her mind. It just like the music just went really well with the visuals too. It just, I think that's what stands out about it too. It just like a cool, unique plan set, cool music set with some cool visuals too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a really cool scene. The music fit, uh, but I don't, I don't need to see 
I can't remember the characters, uh, the, the actor's name. Uh, so, like, Joseph something. Yeah, I know the character's name. I'm not uh, sure about the actor's name. I, I, well, I, I don't have to, I, I don't really have want to see any practicing guitar solo <laughs> over and over and over again. And how, see, see all these new art, news articles about, like, how Eddie, the, the actor, how he learned the guitar solo and how he practiced the guitar solo <laughs> and what the guitar solo means and how hard it is to play the Metallica guitar solo <laughs> or whatever. Um, my final criticism, again, it's like the Eddie guitar solo. Did you not get that Will was gay, that he was in love with Mike? Oh, I did, thought that was did, pretty. Did you not get that? No, yeah, it was, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, I right. That whole it, yeah. monologue, the monologue in the van, right? Yeah, like, I mean that was where, it. Uh, right Will there. was crying. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean that was him saying goodbye to to Mike because you know uh, Mike is in love with uh, Eleven. I, I I thought that was the uh, that was the whole point of that monologue sequence, but maybe I guess people didn't really get it. Yeah, because but, you're um, probably seeing the same headlines I'm seeing now, like a big theory for Will confirmed by the actor. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the guy's name is Noah Schnapp. Um, but, le- but I guess he had to like really say like, yeah, Will yeah. Gay. <laughs> yeah. and he was in love with Mike, but Mike was in love with 11. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, that, that's what I got from that, that scene in that first. And, the, and then the, the conversation he has with Jonathan in the, in the pizza place. Right. Right. That yeah, emotional yeah, moment exactly. they had, like, yeah, yeah. Because, so, like, like, certain that, people need it actually spelled out for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the scene in the van, he was crying. Did, did you not hear what he was saying? He was talking about. Like, I mean, I guess that. But... I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, just the way he was like, he was saying, like, like the way Mike he was outright feel. saying it. He was, yeah, he was using L as an example, but you knew he was talking sure. about himself right there. Right. He wasn't outright saying, you know, I was in love with you, but I'm you're in love with somebody else. Yeah. So like, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's another thing I'm really sick of. So <laughs> it seems like your complaints have to deal with the media, Real social life. media fan reactions to the things, not necessarily what yeah. went down in the episodes. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, I'm so sick of seeing that guitar solo and yeah, Mike. I mean, uh, Will is gay. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole point of that that monologue. Uh, but my biggest criticism is the the Russian gulag and the uh, uh, the, the fact that they should killed Max. Uh, yeah. So getting back to that, I mean, yeah. it's it's such a tricky one because I kind of I was like in agreement with you because it was like, man, that'd just be a real gut punch to the like to the series to actually lose her. And obviously, we thought we did. I mean, just what great performances by, forgive me for not knowing the actor's names, but by the actress who played Max and the actor who played Lucas, man, their reaction where he's holding mm-hmm. her and she's like not saying she doesn't want to die, man, they just really sold it and just really yeah. brought in the emotions to that moment. And obviously the big death was was the death of Eddie. I actually wasn't expecting that. I thought he was going to be a character who lived on because he's obviously a fan favorite already. I mean, they didn't obviously know that making the series, but I have a feeling they would they have a pulse on what character would probably be popular amongst the fans. And I'm sure they kind of figured Eddie would. So I think realizing that he would be kind of be the big uh, character death of the season, but it would have been a big one, two punch if Max was another casualty of it too. But at the same time, it's like, 
I agree with what you're saying because, yeah, just for the story, it just would have really been like an effective way to lose one of their own, one of the main characters, um, especially when Elle was so close to saving her and defeating Vecna. I mean, she was just right out of reach where she was uh, being held by him and he was getting maxed open the final portal and she just barely escaped uh, through uh, Mike's words there when they finally got through and she was able to escape. I mean, that's the other thing too. Well, before I get to that, but just the thing that I where I realized where it's not like a huge mistake for not killing her off and not having that emotional gut punch is because I do think she's definitely not going to be the same moving forward. And um, she's probably going to be blind. I mean, I think she is with yeah. her eyes being guards, guards out like that. And then just who knows how crippled she's going to be, too. I mean, we saw her limbs snap as most of Vecna's victims did. Um, but not not fully like the others because that'll stop them in time. But I mean, she's not going to be the same. That's for sure. It's definitely going to still have an emotional impact amongst her and all her friends and all the other main characters too. And just to see how she kind of deals with that in season five. So it's definitely going to be something where it's like she survives. She's just going to be okay. It's like nothing happened. There's, I think we're definitely going to feel the ramifications of her going through that. Um, not only with her, but of course with Lucas and everyone else. Um, just and the other thing too that it brings out, and if it will be a big thing for season five, is the ability Eleven has to bring someone back to life. Because I'm not sure if they actually kind of said it in the episode of, or just reading interviews with the Duffer Brothers and about the season finale about how Max was dead for a portion, but Elle kind of brought her back. So is that going to be kind of like a new ability she's going to have, and one that she's just discovering? for the first time that she has and how that will play out for certain things in season five. So I think that's kind of the other big question it raises and maybe why they did it to kind of establish this new ability that Elle can have as far as bringing someone back um, to life and maybe at the expense of her powers. I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like uh, a rise of Skywalker Ray giving uh, her life force essence to someone and Kylo sacrificing himself to bring someone else back to life. I don't know if they're going to go that full blown to it because obviously Eleven didn't sacrifice herself to bring Max back, but I wonder if it's going to be something that will have some consequences on her abilities, but we'll see. So I wonder if that's kind of what maybe the main reason why they did it. Um, a, I think Eddie's coming back. Really? I, know, I, I, I know he died in, died in season four, but He's coming back. Um, another thing, too, like I, I was thinking about it a little bit more while you were talking, and um, I think the reason why uh, people didn't get that Will was gay was because I think people misinterpreted it as he is saying goodbye to his friend because his friend is going to go off and have a relationship with Levin. Mm. I think that's, that's yeah, why. Yeah, possibly, yeah. But uh, going back to the Max thing, I don't know. It, it, it would have just made so much more sense and would have been so much better. Would have been so much better if they just they, they killed her off because, I mean, you you tie in what happened to her brother and how she feels so guilty about it. Right. And then you, you tie in the fact that the fact that, um, you know, she she was. I don't know what you call it, taken by Vecna, mm. right? And the only reason why she, another nitpick, we got to stop talking about the Kate Bush song. Yeah. We got to stop. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. 
I'm so sick of hearing the song. I'm so sick of hearing. Yeah, it's like getting massive rotation airplay on yeah. my on my local rock station here in LA. I mean, good for Kate Bush. Good for Kate Bush. I mean, you know, it works well for the episodes. Uh, like everything that works well in the episodes. It works well. It works so well. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just we gotta stop talking about it for a little while. You know. Yeah. Um, but but I mean that's the thing, right? Like she has a way to come back with the Kate Bush song, right? Mm. But then you put her in a situation in the final half of uh, the fourth season where like she gets caught in there and then Eleven has to bring her back. Wouldn't it make more, wouldn't it make more sense if she Eleven couldn't bring her back and the Kate Bush song couldn't bring her back, right? And she dies. Mm. Wouldn't that make more sense? Instead yeah, well, of having thought- her in like this this weird situation where she's in a coma, it looks like, yeah, uh, her limbs are broken, and she's in a hospital bed, um, because you already have a character that can commune with um, with this Vecna sort of, or he can sense, you know, Vecna and the Upside Down, and you have Eleven, another character that can do the same thing. So like like. What does it make sense to not bring to to kill off Max? And don't get me wrong, like I said, Max is my favorite character in in this show, and it would have broken my heart to see her die in in, in the final episode. But I don't. I think that would have been the the, the right choice. Yeah, because I kind of agree. Like I said, when that happened, it was like, oh, like because they. They like faded to black after we saw her kind of close her eyes and when Lucas holding her, like thinking like she was dead. So it's kind of like, oh man, they actually like no, like I don't want to see Max go. But at the same time, it's like one of those moments where when you saw that she was still alive, it's like, oh good, she's alive. But it's like that, hmm. But I'm not sure. Like, is that good for <laughs> like the story that we were just experiencing right now? Like the emotional toll it was taking on anyone. Was that the right decision? Because it's kind of a split feeling. Relieved that she's still alive. Yeah, we're getting more of the character, but if that's the best way to serve the story moving forward with these characters, but I don't know, I guess we'll see, but right now it's kind of something where I'm, like I said before, I wonder if they mean, because there was a version I heard him say where she did die. Like that was the way they were going to go originally. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, the Duffer brothers? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. But so that's where it kind of makes me think if this is more has to do with establishing this new ability for 11 or not, that's the main purpose of it. Or if, or they have some story ideas I think would serve season five better with her being alive and being in this um, new this state now of state, yeah. being attacked by Vecna and being blind and who knows um, other damages that she's going to have to deal with and go through. So I'm sure they definitely have the reasons. I mean, they obviously think all this stuff out and uh, they were doing a podcast. I forget the name of the podcast. That guy usually does like entertainment stuff for NTV. I'm not sure if he still does NTV anymore, but that's what I know it used to be known for, but like it was the first interview they did after the season finale and just kind of them talking about character deaths and how to do it and like how they view if they should kill a character off. Just how it thought out and just how it serves the story moving forward. Like they don't want to kill anyone off of it. it won't serve the characters and the story like moving forward. Um, so maybe that's something they didn't feel would have been right for Max's character. They have other ideas that, they feel would be better for the final season. So at this point, I trust them as far as where to take these characters. Um, the Hopper stuff, 
as you mentioned, notwithstanding about him surviving in his role in this season, maybe yeah. not maybe being a good reason for keeping him alive. But I think we're going to get that reason in the final season now that everyone's together. I will say, though, it's kind of one of those things where you can kind of take him off the board of maybe being a character to die in the final season because it won't have the same impact if you kind of kill him off twice, so to speak. Or like you did the fake out once and then you're going to do the real one again. I kind of don't like him when stories do that. Um, but uh, so it makes me think if he's someone who could be taken off the board already as far as someone who might be lost in the final season. Uh, because they already solved the emotional reaction, especially with Eleven seeing him or thinking he was dead in the season three finale. So are they just going to retread that if he does die again? That's why I don't think those kind of fake out deaths are worth it or worth it in some instances. Because, you know, it won't be the same if they actually do kill him off. It might be a little bit of a retread, and it'll just make you think, oh, is it just another fake out? So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, definitely don't do another fake out. Uh, y- you had your one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, uh, with Hopper. You know, don't, 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 don't return to it too much. <laughs> exactly. That's why uh, I don't think Eddie's coming back. Because, again, we need some deaths to stick as much as we love these characters. And boy, but what a great scene that was when Dustin was talking to his uncle at kind of at the at the school, like Relief Center. Very end, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just how everyone in Hawkins still views him as the murderer and like a satanic worshiper who did these sacrifices and rituals and was like still public enemy number one. And yet he was a big reason why <laughs> Hawkins is still standing right now and just how he wanted to sacrifice himself for the people. And yet no one's going to realize that that like his uncle's reaction was that with this man, but like more so than Eddie's goodbye. I think that one like pulled on like the heartstrings more when Dustin was just telling that to his uncle and his uncle realizing that he did die a hero, even though no one's going to recognize it. That was just such a great moment. Yeah. Um, also, I, I mean, I'm sure they have like a big plan, but how, how do you? Oh, what is that noise? <laughs> My cat's is coughing up a hairball. I think. Up a hairball? Oh, yeah. Okay. How's it go, Tim? Are you right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for those hearing that right now. I'll mute my mic while you talk. No, another thing I really uh, I, I liked about the series is that, you know, the, the upside down is Hawkins now. Or it's gonna be Hawkins, and like I'm just wondering how they're gonna write themselves, uh, how the Duffer brothers are gonna write themselves out of this hole. Like, is it is it gonna be a thing where it's like, um, you know, like is is it gonna be a thing where like the the two are good aren't gonna be two anymore, and it's gonna be one, or is it gonna be like? You know, we're still going to the under the the, the upside down. You know, like I, I don't know. I, I I really like the ending of this uh the this the volume two. Yeah, like again, that's the reason why I'm so excited for season five. Just how they're going to incorporate? Because like you're right, the upside down looks like it's going to be a part of Hawkins, or at least part of it seep is seeping through now with those four uh, portals now open or those gates now open. And but that's a good point too. Is like how's all this going to be resolved? And it doesn't seem like it's going to be an easy fix. Whereas like there's this magical object at the end, and they just wish everything to be back to normal. <laughs> it's not going to be like a simple thing like that. 
things won't be the same, obviously, moving forward and how they wrap it up. Because this makes you think, is Hawkins just going to be kind of completely wiped off the map by the time the season's over and all the characters have to move to another location? Because obviously yeah. it's still kind of functioning at the end of season four. And again, that's why I'm real curious about that time jump. Um, just how much are they going to stay in Hawkins those in those years that we're not going to see? Or did everyone have to move out? But then the final season, they have to all go back to Hawkins to deal with the final confrontation with Vecna and maybe to stop him once and for all. So, yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how they wrap it up. Is like the, the whole upside down going to be wiped away, destroyed, or is it some, they're somehow going to coexist with each other? It's going to be really interesting to see how they wrap it up. Because like I said, there's really no easy solution to it to make it everything go back to the status quo that we saw in season one where um like hawkins has no idea of that upside down even even exists so i think even probably the whole world's depending how much seeps through over the course of those years like the whole world might know something's really going on with that with hawkins and just all this like supernatural things going on because like you said that ending that shot where they're just all standing on the grass and just looking out the dark clouds, the red skies, the lightning, just seeing how the upside down is coming through now. It's just a great looking visual. This is a great way to end the season, like you said. Yeah. Also, okay, so so here's my my theory of season five, right? The ending of season five. Eleven is going to do the Ezra from Star Wars Rebels. Hmm. Right. She's going to save Hawkins and she's going to be off somewhere and everybody's going to be heartbroken for Mike. You see, I kind of hope they don't do that because they yeah. kind of did that already in the season one finale. Where you're right, she defeated the Demogorgon. Right. She got then went she got transported back to the upside down. Everyone thought she was gone except Mike who <laughs> kind of still believed she was out there. So it's kind of the same thing if they go that route again. You're right. You're right. I don't know. I think she still, she still does the, she, she does the Ezra as we're going to call it, Tim. <laughs> the Ezra. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping to, I mean, we'll see if they go this route. Cause I kind of like it when stories do this, where your main protagonists are kids. Um, I kind of hope they do like a flash forward for the ending and seeing them as adults for those who survive and hopefully it's all of them, <laughs> but just seeing how like life is them afterwards and it would be kind of fun to see them as adults in like the 2020s, like whenever this next season comes out, it's 2022, 2024, just how they're like how they're being nerds as adults in like this time period that we're living in now with all the stuff we're getting. I think that'd be fun to see these characters and how they reacted to all the stuff that we're getting now as nerds. So I think that'd be a fun thing to explore. Well, they would be in their their late forties, right? Yeah, 50s, they'd be pushing early fifties. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. Hopper would be like, Hopper would be like set almost eighty. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like which one out of the core group of kids? Which one would be like the still nerds who like enjoy all this stuff, or one of them would be like the bitter nerds who doesn't like all this modern stuff who like complains about the new star Wars and all this stuff. And then you have the ones who still <laughs> likes everything star Wars. <laughs> well, Dustin, Dustin would, would still be there. He, he, he would be still be a nerd. Yeah. I think Lucas would be one who would like, wouldn't like the new stuff that we're getting. Oh yeah. <laughs> Lucas yeah, and Mike. Yeah. Yes, be cool. yeah. Yeah. Especially with this season where he's trying to be with the cool basketball yeah. players. <laughs> 
speaking of which, I, I so so I'm watching the trailer uh, on TV for the that new Elvis movie, and mm. I could not, I I I couldn't remember where I saw the guy who's playing Elvis before. Mm-hmm. And he's the, the 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 captain of the basketball team on Stranger Things, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, "Oh, right, same guy." Really, it's him? You sure? Yeah, it's him. I I, for, I forget the character's name um, on uh, on Stranger Things, but uh, what's the name the of the season? Right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Jason. I think his name was. Hold on, let me look it up. I'm, I'm like ninety percent so. sure. I'm ninety percent sure of him. Let me look it up real quick. Because I know the one thing I know the actor who's playing Elvis, he was actually in an early season of Arrow. I think it was season two. He was like a DJ at the club, but then was actually a member of the League of Assassins. Who kind of <laughs> was undercover there. And he was also uh, in Once, a, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the, the Quentin Tarantino movie. I can't remember the name of the. The Elvis movie. Yeah, I don't think it's the same actor. No, it's not. No, yeah. Oh, I, I, they look almost exactly the same. <laughs> I, I could have swore that that was the same actor. Yeah, yeah I guess not. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, it's not. Austin Butler plays Elvis. And oh, okay. the guy who played Jason is totally different. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, His name oh. is Mason Die, the guy who plays Jason in Stranger League. Mason Die. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see it now. Well, I'm looking at the cast list for uh, Elvis. It looks like yeah. uh, DeCray Montgomery, the actor who played Billy in Stranger Things, is in Elvis. Really? Uh, yeah, he That's plays cool. someone named Steve Binder. I'm <laughs> not sure who that is, but oh. maybe that's the Stranger yeah. Things connection you're thinking of. Yeah, that that was definitely it, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, with season five, I I kind of want more Maya Hawk in it instead. Like like have her have her have her have her own story, right? I I know they sort of hinted at it because she's in love with her um her fellow bandmate, I guess you could say. Uh, but I I I think I want more Maya Hawk. You know, instead of the being the person, you know, so, sort of saying like, "Oh, I'll come along too," you know, for the ride. Mm. Well, we have more Maya Hawk in uh, season five. <laughs> Have I her be an will. integral part of the story. I think we will. I know she's another fan favorite character too. Yeah. I will say, I love they should introduce like any big new characters to bring into the group because especially when it's the final no, season. No. Let's just have it be the core group we have now already dealing with the final the battle they're going to have. No, I think we've we've got enough characters. We got yeah. all of the kids, um, Will's brother. Uh, we got uh, Mike's sister. We got Maya Hawk and Max. Right. Mm-hmm. So like. And Steve. And Steve. And so Hopper like, and Joyce uh, are back in. So the group's going to be pretty big. <laughs> yeah. They said they're not going to be separated this time. They actually said, too, like the pairings of characters is going to be close to how it was in season one, which means like the four main 
kids in the party <laughs> are gonna and yeah. eleven are gonna be together more like how they were in season one. Yeah, don't send the, don't send Joyce and uh, Hopper back to Russia. Yeah, it was a big yeah. note. We gotta head back to Russia. <laughs> yeah. like, no. we, we forgot to close the gate. Yeah, on the gulag. <laughs> Um, yeah okay so like if if they're gonna have all of the characters together yeah that makes more sense and maybe it's because we have so many characters that they have to split them up you know mm. and have their own stories but yeah the gulag story didn't really work for me and also so is Nancy uh gonna gonna be in a love triangle with uh Will's brother and uh, Steve. Yeah, I think yeah. that's another thing they pretty obviously set up to. <laughs> uh, okay, here we go, Tim. It's gonna be Arrow season one and two all over. Uh, well, at least we don't, it only have to be for one season. <laughs> no, each episode is three hours. Then, so it's gonna actually be like... two of it. Two of it. Two of those hours devoted to that story. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I overall I really like the uh, this uh, second se- uh, this fourth season and the second part of the fourth season. Um, I thought it was really good. Same, yeah, I loved it. Like I said, it got me back to <laughs> watching the entire series again. And just in general, the yeah. series was just really great, and I probably do it again when season five comes and just see the whole the whole story play out um, over the course of five seasons. Going to be a lot of fun to do. So. But it's probably still going to be a bit of a wait. Like I said, I think it's going to be about a year or two before we get the yeah. final season. But I'm sure it'll be worth it. Yeah, it got me. It got me interested in Stranger Things again um, after season three, which I really, I really didn't like. So it was. Uh, it's definitely my least favorite season. But rewatching it again, there's still some great stuff in there. It's just some other stuff that you kind of have to sit through <laughs> to get through, like the yeah. the really great stuff. Yeah, like Eleven's. Uh, goth phase well that was season two goth slash punk phase oh that was season two yeah and that was only like one episode i think that episode gets a bad rap (laughs) well it was to introduce or like bring her closer to her mom right exactly yeah and find out there's someone else like her still out there too and just kind of how someone else uses the power could use their powers for like kind of selfish reason and for revenge yeah Another thing too, like that uh, season four did really good, uh, did, did a good job with was uh, tying Vecna with you know a new character into um, the story overall and yep. bringing his backstory and having Nancy, like that one episode where Nancy is experiencing Vecna's story while Vecna's telling his story. You know? Yeah, that was sort of thing. that might be the highlight of the season. Like all that stuff was just right. So like how they tied him. Yeah, they tied him into the story so naturally and so effectively, you know, and then have that one episode Nancy is going around the, uh, his house and, you know, experiencing his story, you know, firsthand. So, yeah, I that if if you're going to talk about Stranger Things, stop talking about the Kate Bush song or the Metallica solo yeah. <laughs> or, or the fact that Will is gay. <laughs> and um let's talk about that story yeah just more how yeah. the story itself has just been great <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah it's a great season 
great season. So yeah, Obi One finale, awesome. Stranger Things finale, awesome. But that brings us to our most recent finale that we got, which was the season finale for Miss Marvel, which just aired this week. So Dane, what we're talking about before we were recording, how our opinions might differ a little bit on this one. <laughs> so, uh, but I know when we're talking about the first few episodes of Miss Marvel, how this was a series you really got into right away. So just yeah. I like the fact that there's an MCU series that you just fully dived into and we're enjoying from the right off the bat. So um, I guess I'll start with you then and how you thought the finale wasn't just the series overall, if it lived up to the potential it started off with, with those early episodes for you. Well, first um, I want to hear what you have to say first. And uh, second, um, another show that had its season finale was uh the boys um yeah and be careful what you say on that because i haven't yeah, started not this season say, <laughs> not gonna say anything it is the best season that the boys have had and That's what I keep hearing. it is one of the best series on tv it is yeah yeah it is one of the best series on tv yeah <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I've done really good so far avoiding spoilers for it. So yeah, my plan is to hopefully start it this weekend. It's like because I don't want to be watching too many things at the same time. Because part of me is like, sure. when it's a series I'm really enjoying, like I want to be fully into that series as I'm watching it. Well. Right now, since the Obi Wan finale, it was just it's all been Stranger Things. I just been engulfed in that story and that universe again. And now that I kind of finished with my rewatch, I'm ready to start with the boys because that was next on my list. So. From what you're saying and from some of the interactions I've seen, I can't wait to get started for it because I just I keep hearing what you just said. This is how it's really great and it's probably the best season yet of the series. Yeah, um, particularly the last two episodes, um, the ones after that controversial episode, which wasn't to me wasn't that controversial. I mean, uh, okay. I'm an adult. I'm an adult, and <laughs> you know. Um, not that controversial to me, uh, but the, in particular, the last two episodes really, really make the season. It makes the entire season, and uh, uh, yeah, that's all I'll say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. That's the only reason why it's not on our discussion topics of TV show finales for this episode, sure. because I haven't even started it yet. <laughs> so, yeah, so for Miss Marvel, um, for me, I really liked the first episode and the first two episodes and I don't know, but I felt uh, the series were, I didn't think it was as great for me as some of the other uh, MCU Disney plus series is because I just felt like on the superhero side of it, I didn't get fully invested to kind of the main antagonist threat for what the series was trying to establish that um, what were their names? There's like the, clandestines i believe it was but like that group that was from another yeah. dimension they're trying to get um that bracelet that kamala has that's giving her powers they need that to open a portal back home and it just felt very generic where just the plot of that oh villains pretending to be good guys at first need something the hero has to try to get back home and it's just another dimension type thing but if they open the portal it's going to destroy the real world it's stuff we've seen in these superhero stories time and time again and it just felt very secondary. And maybe that's the point of it, too. I'll, I mean, I'll get to that reason probably in a bit. But 
um, for what they're trying to set up in like the third, fourth and fifth episodes, it just felt the story really rushed. And just the main antagonist threat was just almost non-existent, in my opinion, in this series. And then for the finale, where because their story wrapped up very rushed, <laughs> very rushly and kind of unsatisfyingly in that fifth episode where they open the portal, but yet it kills them as they're trying to get in. And then the leader, um, or she ends up just like sacrificing herself to make sure like the real world or their the main dimension doesn't get destroyed and uh saves her son or so her son could survive and gets these powers i don't know it just felt really rushed in this i just wasn't digging the story that they were setting up from that kind of held it back for me in my opinion because and then you throw it to damage control who were only really a part of it for like briefly in the first few episodes or the main antagonist in the finale and it just it, did, they didn't make for a really great kind of like final threat to be facing for the series. And this is talking about the finale real quick, that whole sequence with them in the school kind of, it's almost like home alone in school. <laughs> They're setting up these trap for these supposed, these all these different basic traps for these supposedly highly trained military soldiers. It just, I don't know, played a little goofy to me. Um, but the stuff that later that we got in the finale where Kamala really uses her powers, that stuff was great. But just kind of getting to that stuff, that the earlier confrontation with damage control was a little goofy for me. So just a lot of the stuff with the main antagonist um, just kind of fell flat for me over the course of the series. It kind of held it back for being a really great superhero story because, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in it. The, I mean, the characters are what make this series. Kamala Khan and her stuff with her family, that is the heart of the series. And it's just really, really great. The relationship she has with her mother and then her grandmother and realizing her family history where her great-grandmother is kind of where uh, the origins of uh, her bracelet and the powers come from. And just that story um, of that was kept telling about a great-grandmother being kind of saved and rescued to be put on that train um, and how Kamala was actually the one who, who was responsible for that. Um, all that stuff was great. Um, but just I don't think struck it didn't strike the nice balance of that coming together with the main antagonist uh, threat that, and story that we're trying to set up for this series. So that's kind of where my um, complaints for the series overall held it back for me as being a really one of the better MCU series on Disney Plus because it just couldn't balance those two aspects of what makes great superhero stories um, stand out. And so, But like I said, some great stuff. The performances are great with the characters. Um, Kamala Khan is I read a few of her early issues a while ago um, from her stories, so I'm not too familiar with the character, but she's already a standout character in the MCU and glad already that there's plans for her moving forward uh, being in the next Captain Marvel movie titled The Marvels and what they set up for her character <laughs> in the wider scope for the MCU is pretty exciting as well. So um, kind of my overall thoughts on the series as a whole, I thought it started off really great, something different. Um, being introduced to these characters who were introduced so well, but I just felt uh, the later episodes couldn't carry that momentum I felt that was built up early on in the story that they were setting up, mainly more so on the superhero side of things, more so than the character and family dynamics stuff, because um, that worked really well and what makes the series overall. Um, so yeah, before I get into the big reveal of the, of the finale, I'll go ahead and hear your thoughts, Dane, and how they're going to probably differ from my overall reaction to the series as a whole. Um, I am going to kind of agree with you, surprisingly. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but 
I come into these shows with the understanding um, Marvel really sucks at making good villains. Um, at least for me, an outsider looking in, whereas like, you know, Dark Knight Rises, right? It's the 10th anniversary. Bane is a really, really good villain uh, portrayed on screen. Joker, same exact thing, no matter which Joker you want to pick, except for the Jared Leto one. Um, (laughs) But what Marvel does really well, uh, and I'm talking about their comics and their television shows and their movies, is they do really good with the hero characters. Um, You identify with them, and they make them really human. And we see this in Miss Marvel. We see this in the Spider-Man movies, right? Peter Parker is just a regular kid. He's just a regular kid, and that's his thing. That's what connects you to the character. That's what Steve Ditko brought to the character that makes you connect with him. That's why we know who Spider-Man is, right? Um, but yeah, they suck at the villains. That's, I mean, I can't tell you who the villain of Thor 2 is. Right, that elf guy, I think it was. Yeah, he's widely regarded as the weakest by far of Marvel villains. He's sure. definitely forgettable. They suck. Um, I say it's more hit and miss sure. than all suck, though. But you know, that's coming me from me being a lover of the MCU. So <laughs> of course, there's yeah, gonna be some that but, connect with me more. I mean, Doctor Strange, I can't for the life of me remember who the villain of that was. That first movie, can't remember um, <laughs> at all. Don't tell me because I probably probably won't remember it. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home is sort of the exception because they brought back like Willem Dafoe and stuff. Um, but yeah, they're not. Michael very Keaton good was great as the Vulture, though. I will Michael say. Keaton was great. Yeah, Michael Keaton was great, but that's because it was a Michael Keaton, right? I even like uh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. I thought he was good as that too. The new Spider-Man right. movies, I thought, did great with their villains. Right. Right. Um, and he had that twist where he was trying to be like, you know, Spider-Man's friend. I mean, I don't know if that's his story in the comics, but um, yeah, I thought it, it worked really well. Uh, but, you know, for me, uh, from the outside looking in, they they really don't have a, uh, a villain stable that I can really, oh, that's that guy, right? I can't even remember the name of the guy from uh, Endgame. Thanatos. Right? Mm. Thanos, was it? Thanos. Yeah, Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> First yeah, he yeah. said, I was like, you mentioned the Gargoyles villain, Thanatos. <laughs> I was like, are you getting confused yeah, with something I, else? But... <laughs> I can't remember it. You know, like, um, I, I, uh, they, they don't have memorable villains, what I'm trying to say. So, like, with that ca- caveat, going into the Miss Marvel show, what I'm really trying to connect with is her as a character, right? And she does what the Spider-Man character does, the, the Peter Parker character does really well, is she's just a teenage girl, right, from New Jersey. And, you know, she's just a regular teenage girl and that that's her charm and that's what i'm trying to sort of like 
in a weird way connect with and like connect with the character, you know, through that. And I think that they did a really good job uh, with who they cast as Miss Marvel and who they cast as her parents, her friends. Um, they did all of that really, really well. Yeah. Um, and the story too, where like, I know this is the big sticking point besides the fact that it's uh it's a brown girl right it's a pakistani girl that people don't really like that um so, so sort of like uh the third sister from uh obi-wan you know yeah that faction raised its ugly right. head and voices again for this too kind of right. that was even get reviewed bomb on ron tomato and all that stuff it did because i read it and that that seems to be the major sticking point the fact that it's a brown girl um, uh, and she, uh, her powers are different, right? But I really like how they inc- incorporated all of that. And I think it's a positive for the show. And I think it's a positive for the whole MCU that, you know, like y- you could tie all that in, you know, the, the creation of, uh, of Pakistan and the partition and, you know, this, this alternate reality where these people come from. Um, and they're trying to get back to it, the bangle that she wears and how that gives her power and how all of that is tied together. Sort of like how Vecna is tied into the whole story of Stranger Things, even though we're introduced to him in that one se- uh, fourth season. Um, I thought they did an excellent job with, with tying all of that, that sort of her culture into the character and telling a story that you know, is is on the smaller scale, right? Like I said, but that's how you connect with the character. Uh, you, you can't have her fighting Thanos. You just can't. Not, not, I, and I know that's what you guys wanted. I know that's what you guys, like, were really praying for, that she was going to have, like, this big villain and that she was going to save the world and she was going to do all of this. But, like, you got to realize she's just a teenage girl, right? So, like, she's a teenage girl like let's let's tie it in differently where it's like she's her her great-grandmother is this uh being from a is is, is human from another dimension and her group is trying to get back and the partition happens uh, her mother is killed i heard her great-grandmother is killed her grandmother gets put on the train, you know, and I mean, she, she goes back in time. I mean, that that's a good thing for, 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 for all you Marvel fans that really like the big story killing sort of thing where it's like, you know, we got to save the entire universe uh, and multiple universes at the same time sort of thing, big picture stuff. But what really, that, stuff doesn't really matter to me because if I can't really connect to the character, I can't connect to the character and I don't really care if they're saving the earth from whatever it is, right? But what I think, I mean, like you said, the the villains aren't very good, right? It's like, what what are they doing? Are they doing the clandestine, clandestine thing where it's like they're the villains or are they doing you know that 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 one guy that got his mom's powers is he villain or is it that damage control government thing? Is that what they're trying to make the villain? Uh, so who's the villain in this, right? And it's like 
for me, that doesn't really matter because uh, it's it's Kamala's story, and like we got to see how she gets her powers, and got to see who she is, and all of that, all of that other big picture stuff of how it like connects. You know what I'm talking about, Tim, right? Like the stuff that I complained about constantly <laughs> on the show, right? The, how she connects to. I don't know, Captain America, and she's going to fight Captain America now because, you know, she blah, 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 right? Or something, whatever, right? Um, that doesn't really care if I can't... Uh, I mean, I, I don't really care about that stuff if I can't really connect with the character. And I feel like we're at, uh, rather than have a villain, I think they really told her story, her story, really well. And I think that's what why I really, really like this this series. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. There's one thing I'll kind of disagree with you on as far as wanting the villains to be bigger or more connected to the bigger scope of the MCU. I really didn't care about that either. See, I would actually, I was thinking the opposite. I think it would have been better if there was really no like main antagonist stuff to worry about, but just really focus on her discovering her powers and her family history and maybe like, have a minor threat to encounter an episode or two here and there, but just really have the focus be on her discovering her powers and discovering yeah. her family history. Because of course her superpowers, she's going to need to use it against some type of antagonist threat, but not have it like set up the story that kind of leads to nowhere <laughs> by not even the end of the series, but the, the penultimate episode of the series and then switch it to something you just barely set up in the early episode of damage control. So I, I felt it kind of went better if there really was no main antagonist, but some, threats here and there for her to face off as she's getting her powers. That would have been something different <laughs> for these type of series of not setting up a big foe to have to counterbalance with her with her origin story, so to speak. That's the kind of direction I would have yeah. thought could have worked. Yeah, but I feel like that would have that that would have sort of cheapened her big face off, right? Whoever her big face off is going to be. Um, but even the big face off at the end, I felt didn't amount to much because damage control was barely a factor in the story <laughs> in some early episodes and weren't yeah, really that much but, of a presence in those either. Yeah, but I'm not talking about like, you know, domestically, right? I'm talking the universe because we know she's going to have that big battle, right? They're they're going to build to that big battle where we're going to have that end game size thing. Mm. Um, I feel like that would have cheapened cheapen that face off you know what i mean it, 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 it instead of you know okay so like let's bring it back to batman right so like let's say bruce is young and he meets a young joker right that would cheapen their sort of encounters in the future i feel yeah. whereas like if if they have this thing where it's like it's this unstoppable threat like they did in the dark knight where it's like it's Batman doesn't know how to deal with with the Joker. The Joker's going crazy and he's doing all these crazy stuff. And it would cheapen that a little bit because it's like it would be like I don't know how to explain it. It's like it would it would be like okay, here we go again. You know what I mean? It's like ah uh, th- uh, this again. You know. So like I and I think in this show and with these characters and again i think marvel does better characters than dc i think i i I just think that connection is there 
like I like I said with Spider-Man. Um, and I feel like Miss Marvel doesn't need a villain right now, right? She yeah. needs to live with her power and be a, be a teenager. That's all she has to do in the show. And for me, that 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 was the. I mean, they 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 just they they nailed it. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't really care who her big villain is. I'm sure it's some crazy guy, but um, for for like right now, I guess you could say right now, you know, like she has her powers. I know the origin of her powers. I know the origin of her and her family. I know her friends now. And I know that she can use her powers and how she uses her powers, right? So, like, for me, like, they, they, they just nailed it. I mean, I, the, the, the villain stuff will come later. I mean, this is just, like, the, the beginning of that. Yeah, I agree with that, too, because that's, like I said, it's the strength of the series is her as a character with her family and just kind of dealing with getting these powers, adapting to it, and learning about her family history at the same time. So, yeah, that stuff will work really well. It's just when they try to have more, show more of importance on the villain story, that's what held it back and took took me a little out of it because it just was not interesting <laughs> and why I wish it would yeah. focus more just on th- that aspect of the series. But Yeah, and also I, I have to ask you a question, Tim, because this is the first time I've ever seen this. What What is the Department of Damage Control? Like, like, They're kind of there that? to clean so, up. It was first, they were first, I believe it was Spider-Man Homecoming has worked. That's like the company that took away the work from uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture, Adrian oh, Toomes. Oh, I see. Yeah, those guys. Yeah, they're kind of there to fix up like the damage that's during like superhero battles or conflicts and stuff that happens on Earth. They're there to kind of oversee and take control of that and fix it up. Why do they have guns then? They're like they a might've, contractor. Yeah, they might have I mean, established... Like, in, became like oh. more of a government thing because before it was set up by Tony Stark but maybe things yeah. changed in the universe with, with the event of his death or they became more than just a cleanup crew uh, I see they're, they're more of like a government secret force sort of kind thing of, definitely felt now, more like that in this series oh because I was thinking back to like like uh, the Spider-Man Homecoming movie and I was like they're they're just taking jobs from contractors that's all they're I mean, they're, yeah. they're like yeah. they're <laughs> They're like a cleanup crew. Like, why do they have guns and stuff? <laughs> what a jump between, like, cleaning up rubble and having, like, their own special force, you know? Yeah, they got a different division or more uh, more departments <laughs> in damage yeah. control, maybe. Ah, uh, I see. I see. But then the other big thing that I got to talk about from the finale is the reveal that it looks like Miss Marvel's the source of her power, they kind of hinted at this too. It wasn't necessarily the bracelet that just kind of brought it out and amplified yeah. it more. But the reveal that Miss Mar- Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, is the first mutant we've been introduced to in the MCU. And what, does I that love- what does that mean exactly? <laughs> like, no, no, I'm serious. Like, like what <laughs> really? is that? Yeah, like, so she's the first mutant? Well, not the first mutant, but the first one, yeah. just from a story aspect that we we're introduced to in the Marvel and MCU movies. Since they got the license and rights back to use mutants, we haven't. But, but how is she a mutant? 
that's the thing that he just said when he was looking at like her family history and her genes, he noticed hers was different from the other members of her family. As Bruno says, oh, it's like a mutation. I see. I see. Did you not oh, catch the, also okay. the little musical cue that played right there when he said that? No, I didn't, Tim. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know I'm not a fan of these Marvel stuff, Tim. I thought you watched... Well, I don't know. I don't know if we really talked about the X-Men animated series from the 90s <laughs> too much here, but... If you didn't watch that series, then yeah, that musical cue would have went right over your head. So if you didn't watch it, I could understand it. You're not catching it. Wow. I'm going to go watch watch that scene again. Yeah, because as soon as he said mutation, they played the theme song from the animated series really quickly. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but like anyone who watches the shows know exactly what it is. And that was an awesome geek out moment. <laughs> I brought a smile to my face. And I, unfortunately, I got spoiled. Uh, I couldn't avoid that on Twitter that day before I watched the episode, but it was still awesome to hear the word mutation and hear the X-Men theme song for the animated series played at that moment. Because like like I said, ever since Disney got the rights back to use the X-Men and mutants, we've just been waiting for that moment to come in the MCU. And this was the first time that has happened, saying the word mutation and acknowledging that a big character that you're introducing here is is in fact a mutant. And that's awesome. And I like the idea that they're doing it for Miss Marvel and for Kamala Khan because when she was created in the comics, that's when Marvel Comics was really pushing the Inhumans as to kind of be like the next big thing, the next for X Men, and to take kind of almost like replace mutants because it was the whole stupid thing where 20th Century Fox owns the rights for the mutants and not Marvel Studios. So what the comic side is going to do is push. Inhumans, so we can make those more popular than the X-Men because we could put those in move Inhumans in movies and TV shows, and they'll become more popular than mutants. That didn't quite work out, so that's why they wanted they created Miss Marvel in the comics to be an Inhuman. Or in fact, I think the creator of the character just said in response to this episode that it was their intent to always have Miss Marvel be a mutant, but they were told by the higher ups that to make her an Inhuman because that was kind of the initiative they were trying to push in the comics at the time. And like I said, it didn't really work out to where Inhumans became more popular than mutants in the X-Men. That never happened. So it's kind of cool that the original intent for Miss Marvel to be a mutant now being realized in the series and in the MCU to introduce that aspect into the MCU finally. So that was just a great moment. And I just can't wait to see how what we get more mutants building off of this and how we learn more about what other characters may be mutants going forwards. But I just thought that was a really cool reveal and something to put at the end of the series. I think they should just go full steam ahead and just make the X-Men movie. It's coming. I don't know if it's going to be like a full-blown X-Men movie, but we're getting a mutants movie. (laughs) Instead of like slowly introducing each character, like just have an X-Men movie. I mean... (laughs) I don't see why like you can't introduce them to your other characters later. Yeah, it's going to be interesting if they do anything at Comic-Con as far as announcements goes, if we're finally going to get some X-Men details. Because we know, like I said, we know it's coming, and this is our first step towards that and bringing mutants into the MCU. So maybe at Comic-Con uh, we'll finally get our announcement of what X-Men projects uh, Marvel has in the works. I wonder why 20th Century Fox finally decided to give them up. Well, it's the whole thing where Disney bought 20th Century Fox. So oh, it was, oh, I see. It came with part of the package. <laughs> oh, oh. Hmm. 
oh, that's good. At least they don't have to do a deal with like Sony, right? Yeah, it's not the whole Spider-Man Spider thing. They can do. They don't have to worry about renewing deals and licensing stuff for it. So. And I forgot that 20th Century Fox was bought by Disney. Yep. So, so we can finally have the uh, the fanfare back for Star Wars. <laughs> if they wanted to, they haven't put it back yet, though. They should do it. They should do it too. Yeah, it's like it's been a while where I kind of uh, used to with it, used to it without it. But at the same time, yeah. if they put it back, it'll be like ah, it's nice to have it back again. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the um, that sort of like that. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, you, you know, you have that Marvel thing where it's like it shows Marvel and then like yeah, it zooms the out. Yeah. yeah, the fanfare from Marvel. They got to redo the Star Wars one. Like, like we got to get a better one than just like the the Chrome, <laughs> the Chrome Astromex. Uh, uh, yeah, I I kind of like it, but it would be cool if we did have one that showed scenes from the movies and TV yeah. shows like the Marvel one does. I'm not gonna lie, that would be cool. So yeah, it sounds like we're, I did, like you enjoyed Miss Marvel a little more than I did, but still in agreement overall that it was still a yeah. good series. Yeah. Despite and, its, uh, despite his villains problems. <laughs> and so like, I'm so unfamiliar with uh, the Marvels, I guess you could say, Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm. Um, so Miss Marvel can turn into Captain Marvel for. See, I didn't know that aspect. I kind of found out afterward yeah. that she does have the ability to shapeshift from the comics, but they did say that it wasn't she wasn't shapeshifting. She actually switched places with the actual Captain Marvel. So that is oh, really? the Captain Marvel <laughs> we're seeing. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I got to say, Tim, I've watched most of the uh, the Marvel movies, right? Um, still haven't seen Doctor Strange and the the Miracles of Manhattan. Uh, That's a funny way of saying multiverse of madness, but okay. <laughs> but um, we still haven't. I, I I just recently saw Thor two. What an awful movie. <laughs> That's this yeah. is widely considered as the the weakest Marvel movie out of all of them. Yeah, because. Uh, I was initially going to see the new Thor, Love and Thunder, or uh, Thunder Love. <laughs> it's, it is Love and Thunder. As as my dad calls it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that Thor 2 movie sort of turned me off. <laughs> I did um, enjoy I Love and Thunder, it. though. I did like oh, it. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not the best Marvel movie. It's just a fun two hours. It was a fun but I think. At the yeah. core of it is a really nice story between him and uh, Natalie Portman to Jane Foster. And Christian well, I mean, Bale was like, Christian Bale was great though as the villain. I mean, we could have used more of him, but yeah. just, Christian Bale again showing that side of him where he can just play any part. <laughs> He's yeah. just such a phenomenal actor, man. See, again, a villain that they either misused or wasn't very memorable, right? He was memorable. But I would say. Not misused, yeah. not used enough, because his story was good. He had a good um, reasons for doing what he was doing in the movie, but it could he could have used some more screen time to like really dive into his motivations. But yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I've seen most of the movies. Um, 
I gotta say Captain Marvel is probably my favorite MCU movie. I know that's blasphemy for you Marvel fans, but uh, yeah, that one's probably probably my favorite. I I, I know Endgame and all all those movies have like the big fights and are all cool like that, but like yeah, I think I I think Miss Marvel uh, Captain Marvel's uh, my favorite uh, MCU movie. I'm sorry, Tim. Don't don't jump through my computer and <laughs> hey, punch me in the face. No, wait, I really like Captain Marvel. I think it's underrated, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't see why you guys hate it so much, but um, yeah, I mean, I like Brie Larson. I, I enjoy her in movies, and uh, yeah, Captain Marvel is my favorite um, Marvel movie. So let me ask you this, Dane. Was Captain Marvel being your favorite Marvel movie and you really liking Miss Marvel? Well, well can I say that's your favorite uh, Marvel TV show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. So with yeah. those two being your favorites, will you go see the Marvels in theaters? Probably. I guess I have to now, Tim. <laughs> I'm like, going to hold you to that. I really like Miss Marvel. I really, really like uh, Captain Marvel. So, yeah, I guess I'm going to have to see it. <laughs> I don't, I'm probably not going to know what's going on. So, like, if we do a review episode of it, I'm going to be like, Tim, well, what is that thing that they showed at the blah, blah, blah? You not know? this time. You've seen everything that you would need to see, I would imagine, <laughs> just the first Captain Marvel movie and Miss Marvel. I think you should be yeah, good. Yeah, no, well, I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about, like, the, the whole connection thing where it's like, okay. oh, so so that that grain of sand is means Sandman is coming or something, you know, like, <laughs> or what, you, you, you know how it is then. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Captain Marvel is probably my favorite uh, Marvel movie. I think it's the, the, the best one because um, I just rewatched it. Uh, followed closely by Black Panther, I'd say. Yeah, th- th- those two are probably my favorite. Right, cool. So I believe it comes out july 2023 so plan on a year yeah. from now <laughs> yeah so we're like gonna see it. we're both gonna see it in theaters yeah and uh marvel seems to hit their date so <laughs> i like that yeah. that dc one <laughs> well some of them they, uh, go, they do get moved like this actually was supposed to come out in november this year but things are getting pushed back all on the disney front so sure got moved to 2023 yeah. but you know once they announce it it's gonna come out <laughs> yeah uh, Miss Marvel does have my favorite joke in all of the MCU, Tim. I gotta say, it made me laugh so hard. Which one was So, that? like, uh, well, which one do you think it is, Tim? I, I'm, See, I'm just curious. The one, the one that was my favorite is where uh, her father comes in her room dressed as a Hulk. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to say, like, oh, you, you can go to Avengers Con, but here are the conditions. You gotta wear this, and your father's going with you, and he comes in dressed as a Hulk. <laughs> that was awesome. That was funny, but it's not my favorite. My favorite is uh, when she's saving the little kid. I climbed up to the that uh, clock tower thing, whatever that was, and uh, she she's trying to get his mind off of like the fact that he's hanging off the ledge or whatever. And he goes, "Oh, what's your favorite uh, food?" And he goes, uh, "Ice cream pizza." And <laughs> she goes, um, "Is it is that one one food or two food?" Two foods. It was uh, like one food, and then uh, like the kid slips or whatever, 
and uh, she she's like, oh, we t- think about ice cream pizza, and then it cuts to the crowd, and there's a guy that stands up. He said, did somebody say ice cream pizza? <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite joke of the, uh, the MCU so far. There you go. That's, that made me laugh so hard. I don't. I don't know why it's just so unexpected, but yeah, that made me laugh so hard. Uh, well, yeah. well, you know the MCU movies have tons of jokes in there, but I don't think yeah. you'd probably be the only one where that one is your absolute favorite out of all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what my previous one was? Where it's like uh, War Machine and that blue lady go back to like when uh, uh, Star Lord is dancing around yeah. in that in that cave thing, mm-hmm. and the, the look on their faces when oh, yeah. like you could tell that they've been waiting there for like an hour waiting for him to finish dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I think Rhodey even says, so he's a moron or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That was my favorite joke. But uh, it's been replaced by Miss Marvel. Uh, ice cream pizza. Ice cream pizza is the winner. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to change my Xbox name from, <laughs> from what I have now to ice cream pizza. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's taken already. I mean, that seems yeah. like something like a gamer would use just for the heck of it. <laughs> Ice cream pizza. Yeah. You might have to put some numbers in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, yeah. All right. So that's, I guess, our TV discussion for the episode. Some long discussion, but man. <laughs> man, what a great time for TV shows, man. I'd, I'd say TV shows, at least for me, my enjoyment and I've been more on the TV show side of things than movies this year, to be quite honest. <laughs> but uh, it's hard to complain, even if there are some stuff we don't enjoy as much as others that we still have all this great content to talk about and just geek out about in general. So it's awesome. But we can't say it was like that 10 years ago <laughs> where we had getting all this awesome stuff as we are now. But one awesome thing we did get 10 years ago was The Dark Knight Rises. And we can't let this episode go by as we're recording it. This is a couple of days before the actual 10-year anniversary, but we had to do a little retrospect on the 10th anniversary of The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the year when it was our 10-year anniversary for this podcast, and a big thing that made that first year so fun was the lead-up and eventual release of The Dark Knight Rises and just how... It is hard to believe it's been 10 years since that movie came out. It's the wait between The Dark Knight to The Dark Knight Rises, the four-year gap, seems longer than this 10 years <laughs> that has been since the movie came out. It's just really hard to fathom that it's that old right now. But yeah, so just want to take a little bit to give a little retrospective, think about how it was 10 years ago, seeing it for the first time, and if some of our views of the movies have changed over the 10 years, but... Yeah, just like I said, remembering just being a fun time 10 years ago, like I said, connecting it with the start of this podcast and the lead up to the movie and following the trailers and official images and even some rumor stuff and speculation going into the movie leading up to it. That stuff is all part of the fun and build up to some big anticipated releases of the movies. And that's what makes it so fun when you're a fan of this stuff. And then culminating into the actual moment where you're seeing the movie. And for me, it's just good memories for that stuff. And then actually seeing the movie, too, was a fun night because I've said this before, how my first viewing experience was 
a marathon my theater was doing of the Dark Knight trilogy, where I got to see Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and then The Dark Knight Rises all in one night. And that just was a lot of fun. Um, but man, it was a packed house that night. <laughs> I remember I barely got a good seat. Uh, I got there probably later than I should have before assigned seating and all that stuff was available. But I ended up being on the very back row in the middle. As long as I'm in the middle and not too far down, I'll, I'll be happy. But I don't like seating ideally in the very back, but it was it was fine. But just seeing that whole story play out um, in one night was great and not knowing how it was going to end. I just remember after seeing The Dark Knight, just because there was a little bit of a gap between movies. I believe The Dark Knight kind of had to, after that was over, had to wait about an hour until midnight hit. That's when movies still had their premieres at midnight and not at uh, three o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon like it is now. So it was a long wait, but I just remember after The Dark Knight ended, that hour taking forever to get to The Dark Knight Rises, just being so ready to see this, the end of the trilogy and the story that uh, Christopher Nolan was going to, and his Batman story on just that anticipation was just through the roof during that moment. And it was almost kind of, I remember too, thinking, okay, not that we have to get through the prologue again, but we already saw that in the IMAX preview. So the movie truly didn't begin like as a new experience until that prologue was over. And then we get to the moment with uh, the beginning at Wayne Manor and Gordon about to give the speech and all that stuff. Um, and just remember my theater experience that time, just uh, really kind of, being engrossed in the story, but also at the same time geeking out at these big moments that I was hoping the movie would deliver on, like the Batman and Bane fight. And I remember I was kind of joking about it before the movie came out, how I was so excited for that fight. And then you would be saying, oh, what if it's like the worst part of the movie or it's so short? <laughs> it just doesn't live up to expectations. But I remember as I was watching it, it lived up to expectations, especially how it ended with Bane baking, breaking Batman's back and how I never thought I'd see them actually do that pivotal moment for Nightfall in live action and to see that just blew me away. So stuff like that where uh, that's the stuff you you just live for as comic book fans and superhero fans of these movies, just when it delivers on uh, not only telling a satisfying story in its own right, but giving you those geek out moments that comic book fans would, <laughs> would appreciate. So um, all that stuff and just uh, being, by the time it was over, being... Um, satisfied with how it ended, but at the same time, not being like completely blown away like it was after the first Dark Knight experience. And maybe that's unfair to put those high expectations on this one or any movie that you're comparing it to a legendary movie in itself. Um, but I just remember being, after seeing it for the first time, like, man, Chris Nolan did it as far as ending it in a satisfying way. But at the same time, realizing there are some stuff where um, it just can't measure up to the greatness that was The Dark Knight, but which is okay as well. And 10 years, um, looking back on it, I still mainly feel the same way. We probably talked about this over the course of our uh, Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentaries. I probably don't love it as much as I did when I first saw it, mainly for this reason, because I remember on our podcast review episode, Dane, I said at that time, I probably I would put it over Batman Begins, and that just might be like recency bias, where just coming off the high of seeing it for the first time, not letting it sit over a course of the time to really put it in the rankings as far as a trilogy. And looking back on it now, I definitely would put Batman Begins over The Dark Knight Rises as um, being overall a better movie in my opinion, but just doing a just being engrossed more in that story with telling the origin of Batman, just what a brilliant job 
that movie did of telling that story. Just enjoying that more so than the ending story <laughs> that Chris Nolan did for um, his version of Batman, but yet still being satisfied. Uh, definitely a satisfying conclusion. I know it's not as for everyone. It's still a divisive movie, but for me, I still put it up there as being just a great ending to this particular Batman story that was being told here. And just certain other elements that don't necessarily hold up for me like I did. I think I said this on the commentary as well. Not a big fan of the whole uh, John Blake Robin thing. When I first saw it, I loved it just because of Robin's being acknowledged in the dark in the Christopher Nolan's trilogy. But now when I look back on it, kind of unnecessary and just not the recognition that Robin I feel deserves in these live action movies still. Hopefully that changes in the future, as I talked about before, with potential sequels for the Batman. But um, certain things like that, I feel like the second act um, kind of has a moment where after the aftermath of Batman's back being broken, it does slow down a little bit. Um, I don't want to say it drags, but the pace definitely slows down a bit when you watch it on multiple viewings <laughs> over the course of 10 years. But again, those are just small complaints. While I why is why I think I put Batman Begins over The Dark Knight Rises now. But um, again, this is a great time period being a Batman fan, the anticipation and the hype for the movie, and the excitement for it was just a lot of fun during that time period. And then seeing the movie for the first time, um, really enjoying it there and kind of being satisfied with how it all ended and wrapped up. And still marks as being the best uh, comic book movie adaption trilogy, in my opinion. Those, the Dark Knight trilogy has still yet, has yet to be beaten as far as comic book movies goes and i stand by that talking about all three movies from how it begins into how it ends with the dark knight rises so yeah it's been a great 10 years as far as having the movie to look back on and just the trilogy as a whole now is one complete story and going back to it and watching it as a whole complete trilogy now is always a great viewing experience i'm watching it from beginning to end it just really is a great batman story uh being told so yeah 10 years it's hard to believe but um again it's just uh, felt have to recognize the just that milestone for a movie like The Dark Knight Rises to add and just connecting it with our podcast too, just how what a pivotal moment it was for us getting started ten years ago and having this movie be a big part of our early episodes and excitement for it. So, yeah, good times and just great memories. Kind of thinking about it as uh, we look back on how it was in 2012 when The Dark Knight Rises came out. You know, I'm just looking at this. Uh... Uh, the Marvels movie, and um, there's a link um, to a site that says uh, to a headline that says Captain Marvel 2 could set up Miss Marvel meeting. It's like I I guess they didn't know about the show. <laughs> the TV Unless show it was yet. posted beforehand. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I guess they were wrong on that one. Um. So so what is Sword? <laughs> I'm not is that like shield? Yeah, it's like the opposite of shield. They mainly they mainly operate oh. in space. Um at least in the oh, comics. Okay. They were they were established a bit in uh the WandaVision series. At least that organization. Oh, yeah. I I wished on that one too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh okay. Um but uh the Dark Knight Rises, sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, we're used to it by now, Dane. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I I remember being so hyped for that movie, um, and uh, I remember texting you uh, sitting in line because, like you said, uh, the movie came out at 12 o'clock. It didn't come out at 7 or 3 or, you know, whatever time. Um, 
And I remember you uh, sitting in uh, sitting in the theater waiting for the movie to start because they let you in an hour early and you had already seen it. And you were on your way out and I was on my way in, I think. Um, and I remember you uh, texting you at like two o'clock in the morning and you were still up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and being like, oh, my God, that was the greatest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And that was so good. And, you know, all of that. Um, like you, uh, my my sort of praise for that movie has dipped a bit. Uh, some stuff that hasn't really aged that well, like like you mentioned, the Robin stuff um, and the 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 Bruce prison stuff hasn't really um, aged that well. But uh, like you said, overall. Um, yeah, the Dark Knight trilogy is the best superhero trilogy out there right now, at least right now. Um, and yeah, I I just remember being so hyped for it, and it was everything I ever wanted. And I remember texting you. So like a lot of my memories of that movie involve you, Tim, because I remember yeah. sitting in line texting you, and you were sitting in 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 line or. Uh, you were in line at the same time and we were texting back and forth and um yeah i uh yeah that my appreciation for that movie is definitely dead like i said but like i still love it and uh yeah that's it i can't believe it's been 10 years since that happened i know it definitely doesn't feel like it (laughs) that's for sure yeah but yeah, like I said, like you said, when you your memories of it, I like a part of that. The same with you too. Again, just connecting it with the origins and beginnings of this podcast. I'll always associate that movie with the podcast and with and with you, Dave. Like I said, because we talked about it. First, that's probably the one movie we probably talked about the most, just in conversations after it came out, yeah. the minute by minute commentary and stuff on it. So um, it's definitely a movie that has generated discussions for ten years. Some of it unnecessary discussion as far as people still complaining about certain things that you should just get over <laughs> after this <laughs> amount of time but um yeah it's just it's legacy i think um as far as just the trilogy as well as we mentioned before it's just cemented as being one of the best in the best as we move yeah. further away of their releases i think the quality of those films only just gets enhanced as you just appreciate them more for just how true truly revolutionary they were for comic book movies and just telling great stories just a great batman story and showing why batman and his characters are the, some of the greatest in fiction that you can get and just a special time that i'll always yeah. remember fondly for each movie it's weird because they they did no man's land in uh, the dark knight return yeah uh dark knight rises right and it's weird seeing all the like speculation of like what's the next the Batman movie, the Batman two going to be, and a lot of people are saying it's going to be uh, No Man's Land again, um, because yeah. of what happened at the end of exactly. uh, uh, the Batman, and I don't know. I think that's a little cheap and a little redundant, but uh, we'll see. If you think about it, the Dark Knight Rises adapted three big Batman stories into one movie: The Dark Knight Returns, right. Nightfall, and Nightfall. No Man's Land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for like we said, for the most part, there are some areas that maybe you know don't work as well, but just overall, it incorporated all three of those three big different storylines into one movie pretty darn well. 
I mean, yeah. if, if you were to say that, like going, oh, a movie's going to have adaptions like aspects of The Dark Knight Return, Lightfall, and No Man's Land, you'd think, man, that's kind of a little too much to cram into one movie. But overall, Nolan made it work pretty darn well. Yeah, I mean, especially if you really think about it, let's just take one of those. Let's just take No Man's Land, right? That was like a year-long story along all of the Batman titles, right? And he found a way to incorporate it into his movie. And that's just one of those stories. Um, and, yeah, I think he pulls it off. And it's it's really great. And if there's if there's two people in this world that know that movie, it's got to be us, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be us, right? I, I mean, would say so. <laughs> spending years talking about it a minute each time for eight years to, something like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow so eight of those 10 years we were doing a commentary for it <laughs> in between <laughs> See, wow if that doesn't show our love for the movie i don't know what does <laughs> yeah yeah so it's I don't know, it's weird how you factor into my appreciation for that movie so much, not only from the hype and talking about it. I don't think we've talked about a movie, uh, the hype for the movie at least, you know, before the movie comes out, more than we've talked about The the Dark Knight Rises, right? Definitely, yeah. I would totally agree with that. Even with the Batman, right? Even Mm -hmm. with the Batman, we weren't really talking about that much. As much, I should Mm -hmm. say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the anticipation for The Dark Knight Rises was on a totally, totally different level than for The Batman because I was just following one of the greatest movies ever with The Dark Knight. So yeah. anticipation hype was through the roof. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, this has nothing to do with uh, The Dark Knight Rises, right? Um, which Spider-Man movie was the one where he does the skateboard dance? Skateboard dance? Yeah. I got it. I think you're talking about the Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, which just has Peter Parker skateboarding, one. right? Yeah. Yeah. He's like in a, it's like an abandoned warehouse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the yeah. first Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Okay. That was the first one. Okay. okay. Speaking of which, that's 10 years old too, because that came out just a couple of weeks before the Dark Knight Rises. Was... Yeah. But, well, I guess that movie was good. That movie was good, right? It's good. It's I, not my, great. My yeah. recollection. Yeah, my recollection of that movie um, isn't very good because uh, I, I just don't remember it uh, besides the skateboard text. Yeah. <laughs> Him as Spider-Man's great. Andrew Garfield is a really great Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, even in that second movie, Tim? That when he was Spider-Man, yeah. <laughs> Some of his Peter <laughs> Parker stuff, that's more of the stuff for, like, is not my favorite. But when he's a Spider-Man, he's pitch perfect. Yeah. Uh, say one good thing about Spider-Man 3 and Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Um, it's, it started off good. Like, the whole thing of, like, Spider-Man kind of being on top of the world, and, like, everyone's kind of respecting him, but, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's going to go downhill eventually. Like, seeing that aspect of Spider-Man that he's not used to, I, I always enjoy that aspect of the movie. Okay. That's one thing. Okay. It's legit good until he gets the symbiote, which should be when the movie gets even better because that's what i was most excited for but that's actually where it becomes <laughs> not so great and why does it switch to like uh um uh 
Batman the Animated Series look. You know, that sort of old, old style. Does it? <laughs> I never really got that vibe. Yeah, it does with, like, uh, the locket. It looks like a... <laughs> Uh, when Sandman has has the locket of his daughter, mm-hmm. it looks like a a picture from like the 1900s. Like <laughs> it does look 1900s. old. Yes, I I, I could see yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like his outfit too. It looks like he's like a a robber from like a like an old movie. Well, I appreciate them being comic accurate with his outfit because that's how exactly how he looks. In the Is comics. that what it was? Yeah. Oh. Okay. To a T. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was Sandman in? He he was in No Way Home, right? Yeah, just as a sand. Yeah. Just Sandman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You only saw him at the very end where his powers got taken away, where you see him back as Flint Marco, and that was just kind of some, I think, unused or footage used from a different angle from Spider-Man Three that they just repurposed for that. Oh, I see. One of the greatest crimes of. Uh, uh, no way home is that we didn't get the Paul Giamatti rhino. <laughs> he right. actually got a mention though. That's something. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't get to see him, him as as uh, a Russian gangster. That's <laughs> for the best. I just finished uh, the Spider-Man uh, video game. Great uh, game. And just comparing that rhino to the rhino we got in Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2, yeah, that didn't really work out. No. Yeah. I love that moment in No Way Home where just Andrew Garfield says, man, my villains are lame. I had to fight this big rhino machine or something. Like <laughs> Acknowledge kind of what we all feel about the rhino in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, we should have got Rhino. Uh, Paul Giamatti's Rhino, R- Rhino in uh, in No Way Home. <laughs> never say never. Yeah. Also, Bonesaw. I know I, I made a big <laughs> deal about it. You know. That was your big complaint with Spider-Man No Way Home, our review episode. I know Macho Man Randy Savage passed away a while ago. We can just target him, right? anything's possible now right yeah i mean they did that digital de-aging thing on uh 11 in stranger things right so like we can do macho man i mean you could really do everything you want now with digital technology yeah. so never give up hope dana that's your one hope for yeah. future spider-man movies don't give up which which makes me wonder with all uh, these marvel movies coming up are we gonna get stan lee in uh in, in the Tarkin version of Stan Stanley, you know when you mentioned that I remember reading something a few weeks ago. He signed or a month over. Or two ago. He signed over his life rights. Something line. like that. Yeah, where they could yeah. if they want to. I yeah, wonder just, if they're gonna Tarkin him, or if it's just gonna be like a voice, like you know, a voice, yeah, on, like a like a voice impression, of or like, like some uh, footage from other things that he's done incorporated into a movie, maybe something like that. Yeah. I don't know why they just didn't, you know, have him have him on a green screen, right? And just list off like a bunch of names. Like, <laughs> oh, is that blah blah blah? Oh, that must be the blah blah blah. Oh, the X Men are coming around to town or something. You know, <laughs> like I just didn't why they. I, I don't know why they just didn't do that. And nail nail a bunch of like 
the guys and and they get superimpose him on on different scenes right because he's on a green screen so i don't know why they didn't do that <laughs> maybe it was an idea they had but didn't end up doing it for whatever reason yeah maybe stanley didn't want to stand in front of a green screen for a couple of hours <laughs> saying things because that's what they're yeah, gonna like, use after he's gone oh there is the x-men there is jubilee you know i don't i don't know why they didn't do that but i wonder if we're gonna get the tarkin tone well the tarkin tune sorry of stanley we like got said, it, right we got i i it wouldn't surprise me, I'll say this. <laughs> if that ends up happening, I won't be totally surprised. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I, I don't even know how we got on. <laughs> hey, it's us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's us doing a podcast, of course. Exactly, that's all you need to know. <laughs> so yeah, happy 10-year anniversary to The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah, happy 10-year anniversary, even though we got sidetracked with Stanley... Uh, being a CGI character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, with that, I guess that'll do it for this episode. Again, a, a long one talking about a lot of great stuff <laughs> since our last episode. So, um, hope everyone enjoyed it. But as always, I'll go in and throw it to you, Dane, for the outro. All right. Go over to the Batman Universe and Facebook.com slash Batman Universe, Twitter handle is at Batman Universe, the show's Twitter handle is at Batman Podcast, Tim's Twitter handle is at timg311 i twitter handles at dane says banana uh rate reveals on itunes and email the show at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com so with that like we say at the end every single episode tim what are you going to say we love each and every one of you with all of our hearts that are now 10 years older than when we first started uh, this podcast and saw the dark knight rises oh don't say that tim you just made me feel like I'm going to die in 10 years. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're so much older now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time.